All right. Ole, ole. Welcome to Vuvu. Vuvu, the world soccer show. Eric Nash here along with Thorne Holder. How Hello. are you, Thorne? I'm doing fantastic, looking Eric. Looking mighty sporty today, my friend. Yes, and yourself? You're looking good. Thank you, sir. Uh, we are here. Another, wow, another beautiful day. We're just about in December, so. Yes. The weather's hanging. It feels like Trinidad a little bit. No, huh? it does not. Certainly oh. not. <laughs> it's certainly not. I don't want to think about that, but okay. Our refrigerators does not get this cold. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. Well. That's a, well, that well, that's something. But it, but you know, I'll tell you what. For like almost December, the weather seems ver- seems very mild so far to me. Yes. But enough about the weather. Let's talk. Let's talk about soccer. First of all, we got a great show lined up for you today. You got you got me and Thorne here in the studio. We have Eric Krakauer, who is en route from uh, Baltimore, Maryland. He is he's almost here. He will be here shortly, and he will be here live with us. So Eric Sock, Eric Krakauer, otherwise known as Big Soccer Head, which Big Soccer Head, gotta love that. And he he is going to be here. Also, we've got some interesting guests. At the four o'clock hour, we have Coach Reed. Yes. And he's going to talk about soccer culture. This seems like something in your wheelhouse, my friend. Oh, I love it. I think we have mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I, we spoke about culture and pedigree and history. So I'm really looking forward to, to Coach Reed. I think we have a caller. I think we have Ooh, Anthony we have a, on the line. Well, why, why, don't we, why don't we start it off with the caller? Hello, Anthony. How are you doing? Good afternoon, gentlemen. How was everybody's Thanksgiving? Oh, it was fantastic. I ate a lot of turkey and a lot of uh, cranberry um, sweet like, stuff. You got turkey with uh-huh. a turkey, man, right? What is on yeah, your man. mind today? Oh, man, well, how about the weekend in Premier League action? Wow, where, oh, do, you, yes. where do you start? I mean, first of all, my, my first thought about the uh, Premier League action is there, there really didn't seem to be a lot of offense this week. Was I wrong yet? A lot of zero, nil-nil, one nil, one one games, not you know, not very explosive. I wonder, first of all, if that has anything to do with the uh, the extra week off. Do you think, Anthony? Yeah, well, maybe um, you know, with the time off, and then also um, a lot of teams coming off of um, playing in Europe, so you know, it always provides for a tricky week to some of these teams. So, um, you know, so but yeah, you know, I thought um, you know, some games um were actually. Pretty good one that I watched, which was pretty action-packed today, was on uh, Norwich versus Arsenal. Um, thought actually um, Arsenal was lucky uh, to come away with the point out after that game, because I thought Norwich was really took the game to him. Uh, yes. I think Alexi got hurt, didn't he? Yeah, you know what? It's funny. Uh, just I didn't get a chance to watch that one on my television. I only had the the one other game, and that was. Uh, what was the game they had on the late game? It was uh, I was Liverpool. We always get we always seem to get Liverpool whenever it was Liverpool hosting Swansea. That was a pretty decent game also. But I noticed that Arsenal got up kind of I guess the beginning of the second half, and then it looked like they hung on for dear life at the end. But they still to me you go to Carrow Road and you draw and you and you get a draw. That to me that's kind of like dropping a point. What do you think there, Anthony? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they, I mean, definitely. I mean, Arsenal is definitely a better team. But, um, you know, again, I think the concern for them just going forward is um, is the health of Alexi. Because I mean, I think right there, I mean, that's their best player, their playmaker, the guy with flair. And um, and I don't, you know, I think if he's out for some time, that that team's in some real trouble. Well, yeah. If if Sanchez is out, that's going to be big. I mean, but we don't know. You don't have any idea of what the injury is at this point. No, at this point, I don't know, but, uh, you know, just it was because uh, I was kind of flipping between that and Liverpool, so, um, you know, it was just, like I said, a little bit back and forth between those, but, um, you know, at the end of the weekend, it's just like, and then after what I thought was a tough week, 
Manchester City sits back at top of the table. Yeah, you know what? There's no there's no doubt about that. And you know they they had a a significant win on a weekend where they really could make a lot of ground because there were a lot of draws. I mean, Tottenham draws with Chelsea. You know, back in the old days, that would have been a wonderful result. You know, as a Tottenham yeah. fan, now I'm not so sure. But it was a pretty even game. I think that was fair. Uh, Leicester, Leicester with a nice point against uh, Manchester United. That to me, maybe they are for real. Maybe I, maybe I was putting them down and giving giving the Leicester City a hard time. Maybe they're better than we thought. Yeah, they looked impressive. And then how about Jamie Vardy um, with his record-breaking day yesterday? Jamie Vardy, and help me out here, 11, 11 straight yep. matches, which is a Premier League record. Is that correct? Yeah. Is that, that a Premier League record? or uh, Yes, indeed. Van, I think it's Van, Van, Nistel, Van Nistelrooy, wasn't it, that he broke the record? Yep, he broke, yeah. Yeah, he broke Van Nistelrooy's record yesterday. And that has, uh, yeah, so that was certainly, and, you know, for a team like Leicester City, for a guy like Vardy who, I mean, Good player, but you certainly wouldn't have listed him in your top ten uh, scorers coming into the season, would you, Anthony? No, no, tell me about it. I mean, the guy, um, the guy's uh, true rags, the richest story. So you know, I mean, you can't help but to like the story of Lester, like the story, the story of Jamie Vardy, and wish them all well. Again, do I think they'll be in the top four at the end of the season? No, but again, I think it's the best story going on in world football right now. And that, you know, like I said, it's just you know. Something you know, something to feel good about because it's just like you know you have your usual suspects that are up there. But um, even though me being a city fan, root for that. But uh, still, it's nice to see another team like Leicester in there fighting. And you know, I wish them all the best. And this is a team that two, I'm sorry, but this is a team that two years ago were playing in the championship. You know, so you know, you give them their props. Teams that usually come up for the championship are not contending to you know a year later. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're certainly, you know, they're doing something right there. I do believe their their schedule has been a little soft, and I hate to be that way. They are a great story. What? They, they are soft schedule in the premiership? No, I think. no, up to, okay. this, up to okay. this point. No, no, that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. This game was at Old Trafford, wasn't it, Anthony? So that was a good, oh, yes. good. No, it was, in, it was in Leicester. Oh, it was in Leicester. Okay. Yeah, so, but, yeah, but still, it was a home match for Leicester. But yeah, still, it was still, yeah. yeah. Still good. I mean, I, I, I'm sorry. I thought for some reason I thought that was at Old Trafford. But the, the bottom line is they, they want a game against a team that they're going to have to compete with to make the Champions League. OK, so that was a That was a That was a great uh, decision for them. So, uh, yeah. Tot- Tottenham, you know, uh, lost to, the only game Tottenham's lost this year has been to, to uh, Manchester United, you know, so give them, I'm going to give them their props. I mean, uh, you know, they got that great name in in, in goal, Casper Schmeichel, son of Peter Schmeichel. So, yeah, they're a great story. They are the the are they are the Swansea and the Welsh team story from a couple of years ago. You know what I mean? They're they're a good story. You know, there's yeah, no doubt about definitely. that, man. So, Vuvu yeah. soccer fans and soccer fans all over the world, and radio um, people that like to listen to radio and people that like to call in, uh, we are running a very special promotion right now, which is Shout Your Crew. That number to call is 888-728-9941. This is the Vuvu Soccer Show, sponsored by the Iron Abbey, and we're here with Anthony having a great conversation about the premiership. Now, I have a question for you, Tony. Uh, yes, we sir. see you're going Klopp come into Liverpool, and I don't think he has conceded. Well, I, correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I think he went four games without conceding, and he won the last game 1-0. I think he has really switched things around at Liverpool. What do you think? 
Yeah, well, I'm not sure about the exact statistics of yeah, it, but just yeah. looking at the position on the table, I mean, they're up to six right now, yes. and yeah, and he's definitely had a positive effect on that team. And like you said, and even you know, he's that's one Liverpool's one to watch out for. I mean, yes. even going forward, once he starts to bring in his own players and fully implementing his style, I mean, I think that, I think Liverpool is definitely a team that's going to be making a lot of noise in the future. And again, I think they're right there in contention for a Champions League spot. I mean, just sitting at six, I think, um, you know, I think they're really well positioned. And, again, this um, table doesn't really start to cement itself till well till after the New Year. So Liverpool's definitely um, definitely one to watch out for. I agree with you. I've been looking at his, um, his interviews. And before, we had an idea of his personality. He's a very happy-go-lucky guy. He loves to smile. He loves to make a lot of jokes. And I like that. You know, sometimes yeah. I feel like Mourinho needs a little bit of a Klopp uh, type uh, personality. <laughs> but we see in transition um, from going from a, an old to new manager, you really want to feel comfortable. And I think that his personality has helped a lot. Now, Tony, before you go, uh, are there any, let's say, any parts of your crew that you want to shout out? One, I want you to big up your team. Your, your Premier League team, and two, you know, your friends or family that you want to say hi to, that now is the opportunity, sir. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, my team my team is Manchester City. Uh, actually, on Friday, I'm going to be traveling overseas. I'm going to watch two Manchester City games. Um, oh, wow. One, their Champions League match versus Borussia Mönchengladbach, and then the Saturday match versus Swansea City. And in between that, I'm actually going to head over to um, Rome to check out Roma versus Bate in the Champions League. And then the next day, I'm going to be in Florentina for Florentina's Europa League match. But, again, I'm City all day, every day. And then I want to shout out to my crew, the Capital City Blues, which is Manchester City's um, supporters club based in D.C. So, you know, we have a lot of fun, and we're based out of Lucky Bar, uh, which we (laughs) own. So, you know, so... So um yeah so yeah thanks um thanks for giving me the opportunity to come on and um like I said I'll miss you guys next week but uh, when I get back from Europe I'll uh, tell you all about the games that I checked out. I'm so jealous, man. Anthony, have have a great trip. Wow, three Champions League games. Yeah. Take care, my friend. Yeah. We'll talk and to you soon. We will. Let's say, right. uh, take your notes. Take notes as you go. You'll be one of our unofficial correspondents, okay? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks, guys, for having me on. And you all have a happy holiday. Thank you. You, you too. too, sir. Again, folks, right. that number to call is 888-728-9941. This is the Vuvu Soccer Show brought to you by the Iron Abbey. Um, Roughneck Scars. Um, Rob, what, what's what's the uh, the law firm? Uh, Eric Eric Nashville, the, the law firm of Eric Nash, otherwise known as Rovner, Allen Rovner, Zimmerman, Zimmerman and, and Nash, and we get results to one five nine five three twenty seven twenty. Fantastic. That's my phone number. Uh, we also have Dr. Frank McCafferty. Yes, yes. In Northeast Philly, the Academy Injury Help Center. Uh, great guy. Right now, Dr. McCaffrey is involved in a what he he's such a terrific guy. What yeah. he does is involved in fed about 500 families in Philadelphia for Thanksgiving. Wow. Kind of has this big warehouse in his uh, in his place off of uh, off the, off of Roosevelt Boulevard, Boulevard in, far yeah. north, in the far northeast and he he had a bunch of crew. In fact, he didn't even need me to help, but I'm going to help him with the Christmas drive. Yeah. But yes. yeah, it fed like 500 families. So he's, I want to give him a big shout out. We, yes. we will give you more information, uh, how you can help. Um, but it's all through a Philadelphia charitable organization yes. that he kind of, uh, took over. And I will get that information to you shortly. 
but he's a good guy, and I'm very happy to have him. He's so busy that he can't come in and uh, yeah, yeah. do a commercial spot with us. We want to have him in here sure. shortly, of course. He's the type of people that we like to have uh, affiliations with. Now, there, uh, before we continue with the premiership, or uh, let's say this morning I saw uh, a Real Madrid game. You know, and uh, Real Madrid has been going through some hiccups, you know, and I like to try to because we're not in there. We're not in the locker room. We don't know what they're going through. We could just look at their play and and basically try to detract what we can. Now, I see I w- all I could say before you go on. Mm. I wish my team taught them. Yes. Go through or the Philadelphia Union would go through the hiccups that Real Madrid goes through. But, <laughs> but it's all, you know, you have to put it all in perspective. And yes. right now, yes. battling teams like Barcelona yeah. and uh, and Atletico Madrid, they're, they're, you know, yeah, they are having some problems. Yeah. So go ahead. So yeah. what I'm seeing is that they are having a lot of trouble playing out of the back. All right. When I look at Barca play and some of the other teams that are doing very well, um, their ability to keep possession of the ball coming out of the back determines uh, pretty much how much possession you have uh, within the game. Um, when you look at the faces of the players, I look at Ronaldo today. He doesn't seem very happy. When why? You, why do you think that is, my man? Well, because you know you read a lot mm, about that. Yes. And, yes. and Ronaldo's going here, and where in the world is Ronaldo? But the point is, yeah, I don't know how he could be unhappy being Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. You tell me. So you're a little close for being a pro, a pro athlete to that type of situation. How is Ronaldo unhappy? Well, there's a dynamic that has been created in the Spanish league between uh, Messi and Ronaldo, and now you have. Garrett Bale coming into Real Madrid, and you have Neymar coming into Barcelona. So you have a lot of hard hitters, heavy hitters, that are playing statistic, uh, let's say, stat games. So he scored a penalty today, and he, you look at his face, it's like, ah, oh, well, it's just a penalty. Um, and he's been missing a lot of one-on-one opportunities. You know, that goalkeeper made a great save today. But again, that's a goal that you expect Ronaldo to score. Mm-hmm. There was also a through ball played where one-on-one with the goalkeeper and he smacked it wide. Um, that is something that you would expect Ronaldo to score. So we have to ask, what is happening? We look at Bale as well. Um, unhappy. You know, they're not smiling, they're not enjoying the plays, not enjoying the passing. When you look at Barca, it's a whole other dynamic. You know, I think in the third minute, uh, Neymar scored a brilliant finish, and that's what you expect from Ronaldo. Uh, Neymar gets half chances, finish every time. You think the problem is Benitez? Rafa? Yeah, you think that might be the problem? I know how we always jump right away to the the coach. (laughs) You know, I say I don't want to do that, but it's interesting how we always seem to do that, you know? Well, that's a leader, you know, and um, when you look at changes, when a team is doing bad, it's very rare that you, you, you find that you release half the team. Unlike the union in 2011, 2012, mm-hmm. where they were doing well. We, we made the playoffs. Um, we had some great uh, showings, and they, they got rid of half the team. Um, I think it's more complex. I think mm-hmm. like uh, we see Chelsea this year uh, finding some difficulty uh, settling down with the team that they have. You know, I think that uh, like the game today, Marcelo, is he on a red card, by the way? Is that why he didn't play? I'm not sure what yeah, Marcelo's yeah. status is. But you was. find that... It's so hard when all these games are simultaneously. So much. You miss so them. Many. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they do run almost simultaneously. Yeah. But I'll, I'll say this. You know, yeah. going to Ibar, which is... Uh, oh, yeah. We've talked about them for years. A real small stadium, if you've yeah. noticed. Yep. Yep. You'll probably see it's about you know, 
fifteen thousand, yeah. and probably up from like eight thousand. And probably yeah. they probably had to build it up just to have it, you know, in the premier, you know, in the premier division in Spain. Yes. But you know, that team plays pretty tough at home. They're a great story. Real Madrid, the struggling Real Madrid. Yeah, they won two nothing. Yeah, didn't yeah. One of them was a penalty. They're in third place. Well, they're in third place by yeah. uh, two points. Yeah. So it's. I mean, they're struggling. You know, Barcelona. I guess. I guess Real Madrid will always consider themselves struggling. If Barcelona is ahead of them, yes, and they are, and they and they really made mincemeat of them at the uh, Santiago Bernabeu. Yeah, yeah. So that was, I think, that was part of the problem. They lost at home in the Clasico. Yeah. Badly. Yeah. They were destroyed. And nothing dominated. Is gonna, nothing. No solve you're going to put over that is going to make that wound feel better. No. For some time. Unless they. So they play again in Barcelona, and maybe win then. Or Barca loses a couple games and they they usurp and go go to the top. You know. Um, but that's fantastic stuff in the in the in the Spanish league. Uh, there was another beautiful game this week um, between I think it was AC Milan and um, uh, but it was a great showing again from AC. Um, we had four goals scored and one of them was a, a bicycle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, believe you have a, you a, have a, a certain love for these Italian matches. I've noticed that. Well, it's interesting because they. I always thought this is my opinion. We have a, we have a call. We'll get to the oh, call fantastic. in a second. Mm. But it's always been like my opinion that mm. the kind of defensive battles that have been going on in the Italian league for for years, the type of soccer that they play, yeah, w- I wouldn't think would be conducive to the third holder mentality. <laughs> you know, it's more like the you know like. Uh, I don't know, uh, you know, uh, what was like a demolition derby rather than like drag racing? You know, yes, I always thought yes. it was a little slow to you, but yeah. maybe not. You see, what yeah. I find is that some of these games are a lot more open um, than, um, let's say, the Premier League where goalkeepers clear it, you know, immediately boom up the road. What I see happening is they take a lot more risk. But we have a very special caller here, Mr. Super Dave. Hello, Super Dave. How are you doing? Well, I don't know how special, but I'm always like to give you guys a call. Uh, Marcelo, I believe, was hurt in the Barcelona oh, okay. game. Okay, thank you so much and for I that info. He, well, he, Isco was the fellow that was recording. He, I think he had a hit on Neymar, if I'm not mistaken. But it was Isco, he was recorded for today's game. And I think uh, uh, Sergio Ramos was hurt also. So there were some injuries in the back. Oh, okay. Uh, there was a, an interesting few. I watched that match, and I thought Ibar... I was hoping uh, it would have been neat if they – I didn't expect them to win, but throughout most of the first half, it looked like it was pretty even until yes. uh, Bale scored on the, the, the head, header. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was interesting. I think the, the – the, um, I think it, they have a, a – their team is worth about $300 million, $30 million, where uh, Real Madrid is worth about $600 million euros. So there's a big wow. difference there. Yes, significant. I, they, they did announce that. And last week, they Real Madrid played in front of 84,000 people against Barcelona, and they were away, and there was 5,900 people there. It was not quite a sellout. But, uh, you know, it would have been, you know, it's really nice to see David and, against Goliath and hold their own, and they did up till Bale's shot. I, you know, it was there was some nice saves both by both goalies, but it was what it was. Now there's some spaces uh, between first, second, and third. Now, I mean, I think uh, Barcelona's up by four over Atletico, and Atletico's got two on on um, on Real Madrid. But 
below them, they're they're kind of still bunched together. There's Ibars in yeah. seventh, I think, and, and Celta for uh, had a couple of losses, but they're only three points behind Real Madrid. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's interesting. It's and also I uh, it was something I it was been a lot. We I don't know if you got into the Chelsea game yet. I don't think you did. But no. what's happening with Diego Costa and? Josie. Okay, I, I I can speak to that because I was watching the game this morning. I was, I was as a Tottenham fan, and it looked like they were watching Costa very closely, you know, on the bench. He's wearing, it was a very cold day, so I was all I saw a little up. of that. He got up, he got down, he got up, he got down. They were trying to trying to predict whether he was coming in. It was late, late, it was late days. I mean, it was like at least the 80th minute, 85th minute by the time this stuff was going on. But then he made, you know, once again, as the cameras catch everything, David, you know, they got, there was some kind of gesture that may have, may or may have not have been made by the player, by Costa, uh, towards, towards the manager, like a, like a was that when he threw his bib or something. He said he threw his bib, but then they, you know, they very quickly, they said, we're not really sure if he threw his bib. Maybe he put it down. Maybe, you know, it was nothing. So I don't know if there's anything to be, to be yeah. made, to made of that before. You have it. Give me one second, Brian. I just want to thank our sponsors hey, hey. over at uh, soccer.com. You know, Christmas is coming up only about four weeks from now. So, uh, Soccer.com is the place to go for all of your soccer needs, equipment, shoes, jerseys. Almost every team, you know, they, they have everything you would want, even if you wanted decorations for your Christmas tree. Soccer.com is the place to go uh, to get your to do your soccer shopping. And I, that's where I'll be doing in the next couple of weeks because i got to pick out the soccer gifts for my my spouse and kids to give me okay yes. <laughs> so anyway david so so hint 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 people but anyway so david did you uh, do we do you share uh, mr holder's opinion over here that we should be playing those little violins in sorrow for real madrid and the poor team with their huge payroll huge ego and they're sitting in third late. place behind our team Ooh. by the way atletico yeah last year Everybody was talking about dissension in Barcelona, and mm. Barcelona, you know, there they, they was they, there was some uh, problem between Enrique and the team, and Real Madrid was flying high as a kite, and they went overseas and they won the, the club World Cup and all, and then things completely turned around. So you know, it's still early. You know, you know, I, you can feel sorry for them. They got a lot of injuries, and yeah. uh, I don't know if you caught yesterday's Atletico game, Diego Mendes broke his fibula, and he's probably oh, wow. out for the season. No, I did not and catch yeah, that. He's, wow. Yeah, he's uh, been playing very well for them. So injuries hit all teams. Anything can happen. But you got to realize, was it Vidal comes back to Barcelona in Arturan in January, and they're running away. Well, they're not. They're, they're comfortably in first now by four points. They can only seem to get better, but there's a lot of things that can happen between now and May. So. Meanwhile, uh, Atletico, it, it, just mentioning Atletico, David, I mean, look at you once again. Giving up few goals, getting it done. Griezmann's a star. You know what I'm saying? Probably, uh, you, you know well, what unfortunately, I, we'll I, probably lose him next year. But well, you know how you know that works. Yeah. There's talking about even up for uh, for Costa. I've heard, seen that. Uh, maybe uh, Ewing, not the one in Columbus, but the one in Napoli, going over to uh, to uh, Chelsea for uh, Diego Costa. I can't see these things happening. I mean, uh, who would? If it was in the January transfer window, that that would be ridiculous. I mean, uh, Griezmann. I mean, he he's got to be a hot commodity, but anybody would give a guy like that up is crazy. I would think. 
And Atletico, I mean, just look at it. Look at that athletic Atletico just for a second, David. So we moved on to the next round through the group stage. Well, just about, but it's interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, another point that I would want to bring up: I can never say that the country that I stand at this from is Kazakhstan or Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan, maybe Kazakhstan. Yeah. Yes. Well, anyway, that that team, believe it or not, has yet to lose at home in the Champions League. They haven't won anything, but they've tied every team. And from uh, Lisbon to get there, it's it's about a six-hour time differential and five hours for Atletico. And they tied every one of their teams. And I predicted that thing with with uh, with Benfica would be a tie. And it, I look on my computer, it's up, they're up 2 nothing. But somehow Raul Jimenez, who used to be with Atletico, scores a goal in the second first at the end of the first half. And he scored a goal in the 80th minute or so of the second half, which ended in a tie. If we, if uh, Bar if Benfica would have lost that game, all Atletico would need next weekend, next week would be a a, a tie. But uh, if it ends in a tie and they're even on points, I think Benfica has a tiebreaker. So either way, they're in. But but and, the but point they, is, we're, we're but but Atletico is through, correct? Well, they're through. It's right. That's what I was. That's what I was saying. And you know, even if you come in first, you got to you might have to face a team like PSG. They're, that's no advantage coming in first. So, you know, anything can happen. But it's also, it's interesting that some of the finals, uh, I mean, the three, three Manchester City's in, but Arsenal has a long shot to get in, and anything can happen with Manchester United. There's so many combinations in that, you know. I mean, PSV could win, and, and Wolf, uh, Wolfsburg wins, and Manchester United's out, and Manchester United win. PSV when I, I think then maybe Wolfsburg's out. It's a it's a crazy situation. In, I, that's what Group B I think. Yeah, do you think Dave? You think you think we're maybe giving too much value, Champions League wise, to the EPL to the Premier League uh, in England because you know th this is not the first time these teams have under underperformed in that league. I mean, when are we going to start taking? Is that, the, the, is, that is, is that is that a hint? I don't know. Well, what I'm saying is maybe that's why they're talking about taking one of the Champions League spots away. Well, you know? well, it depends how Italy does throughout the, the Italian teams do, because they're right on the fringe of, of, of Italy. I think got three teams and, and, and England got four. But if they switch positions, then England gets three and Italy gets four, and Germany and and, and Spain still gets get their four. And who look what happened to Sevilla? They're they're eliminated pretty much, but. They got in there by winning the Europa League, right, and right. there could be two two more teams from England going into the Europa League. You well, know, anything uh, can happen. Well, you know, you're right. I mean, you know, it all all could fall very well in the, in the next uh, in the next uh, the last uh, round of games because you would. That's have, the kind of game I'll have two televisions on, my computer on, and my laptop or my. Uh, right. <laughs> and think about I mean, it, David. Some, David, think about it. if you got if you had those three teams. Uh, Go through the English teams, and you also have Tottenham and Liverpool going through. You know, the Europa League that would be pretty strong. You know, fell five of those yeah. teams went past group. Yeah. Anyway, my friend, okay. there, there you go. Wait, all the Thorn has next week, but maybe I'll get I'll sneak a call. Thorn has wait. Thorn has words of wisdom for you or something. So, Dave, yeah. uh, <laughs> we we run in this uh, this campaign, this promotional campaign to get more callers in, also to get people and their families involved in the show. So, what we would like you to do, Dave, is to shout your crew, big up one, the team that you support that you want to win in the EPL, and two friends and family and folks that you want to shout out on air. This is your opportunity. Well, I'm not a huge 
BTL fan, but okay. there's a couple of friends. Ryan, mm-hmm. I hope you're listening. You're, uh, he's a he's a big Manchester United fan, and he lives not far from me. And we're always kidding one another which league is better. But yes, uh, hey, I'll go with you and uh, with Tottenham. Thank all you. Right, right. Thank you very Fantastic. much, David. I appreciate that, my friend. Although my son will shoot me, but he's not listening. He's out in Chicago. <laughs> oh, okay. you never know. We, our watch- reach is growing. We're like he's spiders. Our reach is spreading. Yes. Yes. He's watching the red zone as we speak. Oh, well, you know, I don't blame you. I'm kind of watching it myself with half my eye here. Well, David, anyway, well, thanks a lot, my friend. Okay. Enjoy your holiday. I hope you had a good one, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, pal. Yes. Thank you, Dave. That's super, Dave. You took my team. You say there you go. Yes. Tottenham is, you know, Tottenham is like the Chicago Cubs of the EPL. Yeah. They, they did a little edge and they could. They're hard to hate. You know, they, they yes. get good players. They sell the players. And they wear a nice know. color. A and nice wear, blue. Yeah, a nice, nice blue. You know, Penn State was the same color. So I guess I kind of have a have a loyalty we, there. But anyway, so uh, the shout out thing is really nice. Yes. Um, That number to call is 888-728-9941. 888-728-9941. We have some scarves um, that uh, uh, we have some scarves coming in. We'll talk we about do. it some more we after the do. break. Oh, yes. okay. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go for a quick break. Vuvu the World Soccer Show, talking scarves and a lot more. Yes. Robner, Allen Robner, Zimmerman, and Nash is a law firm specializing in workers' compensation, personal injury, domestic relations, and any other legal matter affecting individuals' rights and freedoms. Eric Nash, host of Vuvuzela, the World Soccer Show, is a named partner and has been helping injured individuals for nearly 22 years. Call 215-953-2720 for a free consultation. Most legal matters are handled on a percentage basis. Call 215-953-2720. That's 215-953-2720. The law firm of Rovner, Allen, Rovner, Zimmerman, and Nash. They get results. Are you a soccer fan wondering where you can catch the soccer match with a great pub atmosphere? The Iron Abbey in Horsham is the place featuring EPL, La Liga, and Champions League. Also a proud pub partner with the Philadelphia Union with early openings Saturday and Sunday for the games with a great breakfast menu and food menu to complement the atmosphere. The Iron Abbey voted Best Bar of the Year 2015 offers 40 beers on draft and over 800 bottles to choose from. Visit their award-winning bottle shop, The Loft, for great takeout and -and mix-and-match six-packs to go. If you're a soccer fan, you have to check out Iron Abbey, the official soccer pub in the Burbs. Go to ironabbey.com for schedules and like them on Facebook to stay up to date. Please check out the Iron Abbey presents Vuvuzela World Soccer Show every Sunday from 3 to 5 on 610 Sports. Roughneck Scarfs is proud to be an official sponsor of the Vuvuzela Show. Roughneck specializes in custom scarves for schools, clubs, supporters, and corporate promotions. They're also the official scarf supplier to U.S. Soccer, MLS, USL, and NCAA. Visit roughneckscarves.com and use promo code VUVU for an exclusive discount on your next scarf order. Roughneck Scarves. Better service, better designs, better scarves. If you suffer from pain or tension, Dr. Frank McCaffrey of Academy Injury and Health Center can help. Academy Injury can help you get out of pain just like they've helped many patients in WTEL's listening audience. In fact, mention the word soccer and receive an incredible first visit special offer. Call Academy Injury and Health Center at 215-637-1212. 
That's 215-637-1212. Academy Injury and Health Center can get you out of pain and enhance your performance. Welcome back. Oh, We're just mate. checking out our beautiful scarves. Oh, they're beautiful. Well, I thought you've been hard at work, man. All the time, every day. It's very, <laughs> it's very good. It looks, it looks very nice. Uh, yes. So we will be getting them fresh from uh, rough next I I don't know by the end of the year. Would by the end, we hopefully we can get them for Christmas so people could warm up. Um, let me touch this mic very gently here, so people could warm up. Uh, so keep people could keep warm while wearing the Vuvu soccer uh, colors, which is a uh, sky blue, white, and navy blue and gold, but blue. Um, I, I like those colors. Very nice. Uh, I like I like that very much. So, so uh, how did we exactly come up with those colors? Well, Manchester City. <laughs> oh God, really? Oh yeah. So well. let's say Manchester City has. Um, they, our colors, the Vuvu Soccer logo, it's a blue. It's a light sky blue with a navy blue. So they had some scarves that were very beautiful. Their coach, their previous coach, I forgot his name, but he wore a striped blue and white scarf Mancini, at every game. Mancini. Mancini. Yeah, Mancini. Yeah, Roberto Mancini. Yes. Yeah. You know, he and, did wear a scarf all the time. Yeah, and it was yeah. beautiful. And you noticed that? Yeah, but he used to, yeah, that's a good point. No, but it's very nice. I mean, the colors are nice. I mean, I think you can't go wrong with that beautiful, like, aqua blue with the, with the navy blue. It's very nice. So anyway, fans. so we'll, we will be, well, we'll have to have people earn these things. We can't just oh, give yes. them away. No. Right? And we have 150 yeah. coming in, so that's a lot of callers. It's a lot, that's of, a scarf, lot of callers. Man. What is that number? That number is 888-728-9941. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the number to call. It's Vuvu Soccer, and uh, we're excited to hear from you. Yeah, so give us a call. No scarves to win yet, but we can put you on the waiting list or oh, something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't worry. We'll take care of you in due dun, time, dun, as they dun, say. Dun, dun, anyway, dun, dun. you got the MLS tonight. You have the second leg of the semifinals, which means that after tonight, you're going to have the MLS Cup set. Yeah. I wish I had some sound effects cheering, but, but I don't. We're working on it. What you have dun, dun, here dun. is you have, you have Miguel's team, and I think Miguel's still coaching his kids' team. This morning. I'd love for him to call up and, and talk to us. Because his Portland Timber, after their home legger, surprisingly, I guess it would be surprisingly, up 2 nothing against FC Dallas, who are the number one ranked team. I think yes. in, the whole, uh, in the whole league, but certainly points with respect to the conference, the Western Conference, they were number one. So that's pretty strong stuff. And, you know, they've, they've always, uh, when it comes to Portland, you know, they've been kind of maligned the last couple of years. That they, you know, their coach was an amateur, so to speak. They wouldn't get it done. So I'll tell you what, they're okay. They didn't. The other team, uh, they didn't uh, get, give up a road goal, which is big. Indeed. Which means three to one. Uh, if the game went three to one in Dallas, Portland would win on that away goal. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah, yeah. So that's big. You know, I mean, so you know, obviously Dallas is shooting for two to nothing, but you know, that's that's no gimme. Although I think the last time they played, it was four to one. Dallas over Portland. So certainly that's going to be, you know, it's, it should be a good game. And I believe that is the early, the late game. I believe that's the 7, 730 game sure. and not the 5 o'clock. Yeah, the early game is New York hosting Columbus, who I think it's 3-1 to one on that side. 
yeah. look that one up. I, I, it's also a two-goal differential. Well, let's let's talk about playoffs in general. Last week we had a conversation with um, uh, our Simon Allen, our British. Is he British or Scottish? He is certainly British. Okay, fantastic. With a little bit of the L.A. flair to him. Yes, yes. Way. And this yes. L.A. flair, he really likes uh, the, the playoffs and how that is set up. Now, um, we have... The, the tendency sometimes to to assume that the way a team has been playing during the season, that they're going to continue uh, to play the same way in the playoffs. Now, statistically, let's say you have a player in great form, scoring a lot of goals. Statistically, you kind of expect him to continue. But let me say this. When it comes to playoffs, players and teams, for some reason, they find new energy they find new life so there are some teams that might be at the bottom of the table but you can't really count them out you can't really discount them it seems like playoffs bring a whole new level of energy and life um to to the team now why do you think do you think that teams feel like they really do have a real chance or do they look at it as a separate competition um there's a lot of dynamics at play what do you think? Well, let me ask you as a player. Yes. You, you were raised in Trinidad. Yes. I'm assuming that in Trinidad they didn't have playoffs like they do in this country. It would be more like the European way that they, well, they the, handled it. Let's say for many different competitions, there are playoffs. So let's say in college uh, we had uh, intercollegiate playoffs where uh, it's separate from the league and, and teams that, uh, let's say, uh, the top three teams – would basically play go to a playoffs for the national title. So we did have we did have a lot of playoffs, Eric. Yeah, we did. Okay, but the, so the point is though, did when you in America it's always been playoffs. So yeah, we all talk, playoffs. It, almost. It's funny. It's a great speaking point mm. for the show yes. because you know, like when I'm talking to Brian, and we'll always talk about you know the pros and cons of playoffs. Yes, now yes. it's interesting because really if you think about the playoffs, at least with the you know, is is really the is really the Champions League in a lot of ways, which yeah, goes yeah. which which runs during the next year. So it's just very once again the timing is just very different than how it is in America. You yes, know, yes. and it's just different. Better, I don't know. I mean, this year with the with the Premier League, it's terrific. Uh, would it be better if they set up a, a first to eighth place team and they had a, a, a playoff, playoff tournament? I don't know. I think that's just so foreign to them. I don't think they the would cup. ever happen. What about the FA Cup? Um... Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. But that I guess maybe that's the kind of thing where that the, the cup's tradition is built on match play type of thing, you know, yeah, like yeah. or aggregate score. Well, they don't even use the aggregate score, but there's a lot of ways you can do it. Yeah. And they've tried it a lot of different ways. But, you know, it, it really seems like especially in the MLS getting back to your question, it seems like almost every team has a shot. Once again, you're looking at Columbus, yeah. Portland, um, playing and in mm-hmm. doing good shape, New York. Yeah. Is it a little bit of trouble? Who knows? Yeah, know? yeah. With that squad, of course. But you got you got teams like the LA Galaxy, DC United mm-hmm. that are home. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Teams that you thought Montreal with Drogba looked like they were on the come. They're, they're gone, long gone. Yeah. So, so that's the beauty and, of playoffs. Yeah. And, and also, <laughs> yeah, I mean the par. If you want parity, uh-huh. which. Who doesn't like parity? If you're, you know, I mean, I guess if you're the best team, you don't want parity. What does parity mean? What does that parody, word mean? Parity means that you know, the, the things are very equal. Like the NFL, they've always tried the, the to football, balance the, NFL, the teams, you no, know, to make the, to to give prizes to the teams that do 
poorly by giving them the first draft picks. Therefore, uh, ultimately, like the 76ers, perfect way to look at it. Each year they get a one or two draft pick in, in a league. Yeah. Eventually, that is going to come into play, and the Sixers can't be as poor of a team as they are now because they're they going to have some number one blue players. chip great players yes. that were one, two, or three every year. Yeah. Okay, so parity means that I guess if you were trying to look at it mathematically, they're trying to make every team 500. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, that would be complete parity. Would be everyone would be equal. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes when you see divisions like in the NFL where teams win seven games yeah. out of 16 and win their division, they're getting parity. The, ah. that, that's where the parity. There's a lot less teams that are undefeated and a lot more teams that are four and five and four and six yeah. right now. A so, lot more, you know? Yeah. Let's say um, I've seen that at work and um, as a player – I had some questions. Back in 2011, um, I came to discover that uh, at the end of the season, the team, let's say the Philadelphia Union, would have, let's say the roster is 26 players, all right? And of these 26 players, what the union's uh, coach and staff has to do is select 13 of those players that nobody could touch. However, the other 13 we had, I think it was uh, a team from Canada was coming in, not Montreal. Uh, let's say any new team coming into the MLS and other teams as well, they could basically break your team apart. You well, know, that, well that's kind of another striving. <coughs> excuse me, uh-huh. the, team, the league kind of striving towards parity, and they do that in every sport. That's not an MLS thing. But, but the it, point they, is, they only do you, that in America, though. I don't know that to be the case. You're probably tell, right, though. Yeah, yeah. But the point is, yeah, you're right. So what happens is Montreal comes. They say they're the expansion team. Yeah. Orlando City, making yeah. even, yeah. you know, and they get to pick. The only way they, if you, they pick a guy off the union, say, I think that's the only guy they can take off the union. So there's a limit. They can't just say, okay, I'm going to take seven straight guys off the Galaxy, you know, roster because they have a stronger 20, you know, eight, 20 whatever team player roster but they can you know? they could take a couple i think once they they take one i don't if you look at how they you, run the rules yeah, yeah. i think once you take it you're off the table the rest so, of your roster's off well no 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 so if uh let's say there are players that you could protect so let's say your designated players your top players um you could protect them but you could only protect 13 players so let's say okay let's say montreal um takes um, one player, but there are 12 other players that uh, New York could take, Portland could take, Dallas could take. So you could lose your team. And it seems that every year your team could be broken apart. You could only protect 12 or 13 players. Okay, we got to look into that because I believe that it's usually run where if they take a guy off your roster, maybe you could protect another guy or two. Maybe that's how it works. We've got to look into that. Yeah. So let's but, say, but you 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 do get something if they take something off your roster. You get to either protect more or they can only get one player off your roster. I remember okay. when Montreal was the expansion team mm. and they took who was the 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 fullback that was kind of balding his head from the union from the union. He went to Montreal. He went to Montreal. Uh-huh. He still play, a map, just a map, just a map. Yeah, that was he in was, 2011. He yeah. was there. He was the guy that they took, and yeah. I believe that that was the end of it. We'll have to have a caller come in nope. and tell us that. Uh, well, you were there. That's in what fact, I'm saying. In fact, your contract was, was probably sitting there I, I'm telling on, on the you, table, so, so I'm not going to question you players, on that. There were right. players in the locker room, and the conversation was, uh, oh, man, like, I'm not protected. I could get snatched up. In 2011, they, 12 or 13 players left the union. 
you know, and that's half of a team. If you look at the, the Premier League, for example, we don't see that. We don't see 12 or 13 players leaving at, at the end of every season. You have all your players that are in solid contracts. Um, and we could get into the contracts. They don't have a draft either. I they, mean, don't. They, they don't have these great equalizing events like the draft. Once uh-huh. again, the worse your team is, the yeah. higher your draft. Now, we could argue, of course, that we have about the merits of the college draft yeah. and what exactly having the first pick in that draft is really worth. Yeah. You're not going to pick a guy there that's going to probably – you know, be the godsend. Of, you're not going to get LeBron James yeah. with the first pick in the MLS draft. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. You're not going to get a talent like that because that guy, LeBron James of soccer, has already probably had a contract for five years of Barcelona. Yes. Or, you know, yes. or Real Madrid. Yeah. What? Yeah. Since your tier for Real Madrid. Okay. Yeah. We're over it now. Okay. So, but that the parity is the idea that the league is, the, it's not, a, it's the league is stronger when you have fairness of playing field, which is so anti the way Europe handles the stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so we have in studio uh, some very special guests that are joining us um, live, <laughs> and we are very excited. We, he came in at an important part of the conversation as well, um, where we are speaking about uh, parity and uh, the need to balance the league. Now, Eric, I feel like that strategy hasn't worked in improving the standard of MLS soccer. I think it has worked in preventing six and seven nil games, but as far as the MLS as a league in comparison to La Liga, um, uh, EPL, I don't think it's helping uh, the league. Uh, there is no true parity, I think, with the MLS. I mean, think I think the problem is, is when you have teams like LA and New York that are spending spending the money uh, as freely as they do, and when and when the league seems to change the rules of how you can handle players and you know uh, what you can spend, I think it's always going it's always going to be an issue. Now we have right now, well, we have a well. Wait, wait, what do I hear in the distance? I hear something coming. I think we have a special caller on the line. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Matthias Schmidt is on the line from New York. We're, we're full of New York City tonight. And a lot of people in the city are like always fed up with New York City. But we got New York City all over the place. First of all, we have Matthias Schmidt on the line. How are you, my friend? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I just want to introduce Eric Krakow, our fellow, a fellow New Yorker, who who made it. You made it here. Congratulations. I know. I managed to beat the traffic finally. Where were you? Yes. You were coming from Baltimore? From Baltimore. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice Thanksgiving there. Yeah, you know, I love American holidays that are uh, made just for eating. Yes. <laughs> this is like all of them. Wait, wait. Isn't every holiday Albert? in the world made for eating? I mean, yes. you really think about holidays, right? Even July 4th. You're yeah. in your you're in your nice bathing suit and you're Eat, still eating fireworks. You're, you're yes. still, well, that that's that you know whatever you know what you eat in your own time is okay with me. So Matthias, so Eric, welcome by the way. Thank Eric, you, thank a you, big soccer you. head. He's he's here. And I'm glad you made it. Now Matthias, our correspondent for the Bundesliga. What do you have for us today, my friend? Another week, another Bayern <laughs> win, right? I hate to say exactly. that, but it's so darn obvious, you know. How what it, else it, do you lead with? Obvious. Yeah. I I I'm I'm trying to think of what exciting things I can report, uh, but at the top it's pretty much uh, the same story every weekend. Um, Bayern keeps on winning no matter uh, how many injured 
regulars they have on the bench. And Hertha was visiting Munich, their number four in the right. table, and right. they uh, started with a defensively minded 5-4-1, and um, Bayern just kept chipping away at the Berlin Wall and um, scored two goals uh, close to the uh, halftime. And uh, that was it for the rest of the game. You know, visiting teams... Uh, one former uh, Bundesliga uh, player, Sebastian Preutel, who now plays in Watford, he said, going to Munich is like a dentist's visit. Everybody has to go. Sometimes it can be painful, and sometimes you get off easy. Um, mm. And that's and that's pretty much how all teams approach a visit in, in Munich. You know, most of them try to uh, pack the defensive line full so they they get away with uh, not being scored on, you know, five, six goals. So, so unfortunately, Mateus, that's, that's, yeah. Yeah, so we, we speak about uh, Munchen. I call them Munchen. Uh, we speak mm-hmm. about Bayern Munich and Munchen, the city. Now, you say it's like going to the dentist. Now, sometimes when I go to the dentist, he might give me a toothbrush. He might give me some a little toothbrush. Chiba toothpaste. As far as the city of Bayern, now as a player, I would love to travel to go play different teams, especially when the city has life and other things that are going on besides the game that weekend. As a young player, we would go sightseeing and we would do different things. After the game, we might go to a club. In Bayern, what are some of the things players look forward to before and after the game, besides the the, the pulling of the teeth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a really good question. You Thank know, you. Munich is really famous for uh, the beer halls. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> uh, it, you know, if, if you want to sedate yourself before the visit at the Allianz <laughs> yes. uh, with alcohol and make it a little bit less painful, that's where you usually go. You go to the Hofbräuhaus, you have a couple of mass. Some mass? Stand on the bench. And, you know, okay. a mass is a liter of beer. Okay, um, mass. Yeah, a mass is a liter of beer. Okay, That's thank you. Like you know, uh, uh, three three cans of uh, good old Budweiser, yes. uh, or you know the typical American beer. Um, but it knocks you out. You know, you drink a mass, a mass if you're used to uh, the uh, lightly alcoholized American beer. Um, you know, you have to go into uh, uh, practice for that, but. Yeah, yes. Munich is a nice town for <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Munich is a nice town uh, to sightsee before. There's a, a beautiful parks. Um, there's a lot of history, um, but uh, um, you know you can also go uh, visit the, the BMW museum. You know BMW, oh, wow. big German uh, uh, auto manufacturer. Um, and, I thought they made know, them in America, the BMW. Is that <laughs> well, just a they, rumor? Well, they do in, yeah. in, in um, Martinburg, South Carolina. <laughs> okay, yeah, there they have you a go. plant there. And they were making um, some X3s so, in Detroit as well. So what do you say with yeah. when, you, when you look at Hertha Berlin co- coming into yeah. into Munchen, as they would say, you know, mm-hmm. why, you know, and they're, and they're playing this defensive shell, hoping to, you know, get out with a shot of Novocaine and see you later? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and they were what you said they were the fourth team at the table, correct? So we're talking yeah. about a good, we're talking about a, a solid team here, you know, not just happy yeah. to be there. What's it going to take? Who, if anyone, is going to be able to knock that team off, even for one match? You know, you know in, in Munich, probably 
nobody, but uh, Bayern has to go to Gladbach next weekend, and Gladbach mm. is on an uh, um, uh, eight-game unbeaten streak after Andre Schubert uh, took over um, after a five-game losing um, uh, streak in the beginning of the season. So Gladbach won their first Champions League game on Wednesday. Um, they came back from being down 3-1 to uh, against Hoffenheim, and um, I wanted to mention that Fabian Johnson, as you might know, the uh, U.S. men's national team midfielder, he scored two goals on Wednesday, and he scored two goals uh, uh, this weekend uh, to um, level uh, uh, the score for Gladbach. So he has become a uh, um, you know solid contributor uh, for for Gladbach, and you know the American fans uh, that follow the Bundesliga might want to keep tabs on him and. Uh, Keep uh, watching for the Gladbach games. On okay. TV. Well, listen, Matthias. I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, we are gonna. I'm gonna come up with something really strong to hit, hit you with next week. Okay, my friend, because we're gonna. We have to get off this Bayern Munchen uh, train do. here. I, We've I, got I agree to. With you. Maybe we have to handicap the other Champions League spots. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe we can think of what team's gonna reach up and grab that 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 coveted Europa spot or something out of Germany. Okay. So anyway, thank you, my friend. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your holiday. Wait, wait, wait. Thor's and got right something. before, right before you jump off, uh, we're running this uh, very special campaign to get callers to get excited about calling in, and we want people to shout their crew. So this is a shout your crew moment where you can shout big up your crew besides Bayern Munchen, but folks in New York, friends and family that you want to shout out, shout your crew. Uh, my friends or family in New yeah, York? Anybody. Anybody, <laughs> anybody, in the world. anybody you like. Look, I, look, this is the Thanksgiving weekend. Mm-hmm. I'm actually very grateful that you guys uh, ask me to uh, call in every week. So I want to thank you guys. Um, but also the good folks at Smithfield, which is the uh, best soccer pub uh, in New York to watch Bundesliga. And, of course, the F. Byron fan club uh, um, at Smithfield, my friends there. All righty. Thank you so much, Matthias. It's always a pleasure, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your holidays. Talk to you next week, you my friend. All right. Okay, Bye. so that's Matthias, and there you go. We're going to have to come up with some. We're serious. we got to yes. do some dissecting of that league. Eric Krakauer, I'm really, once again, glad that you made it. And we, we love when people bring their female friends. Oh, to yes. It. I mean, just, 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 the, just the beauty of the, of the studio is getting so much better. Yeah, not I'm that tired. you're not beautiful. I know. But it's nice to see the fair sex here. Yes. Did you still say that? Is that the wrong thing to say? Or no, it's okay? good. It's okay, all right. Okay, good. Because I thought, awesome. who the heck knows these days, right? <laughs> but anyway, so, Eric, what it's do you think? We're talking about, you know, the Bundesliga. Uh yeah, what, what do you look for in that, in that particular league? Because it's, I mean, they're trying to catch, get a foothold in America, and it seems to me the biggest problem they're going to have is there's no really race there, you know, for anything from almost the get-go. Yeah, I, I think that the Bundesliga is like most leagues, where you have the team that is expected to win or the teams that are expected to win. It's just that in Spain you have two, in England you have four, in Germany you happen to have one. I, look... The Bundesliga is a very entertaining league to watch. So yes. whatever whatever games you're watching, you're going to get good entertainment. Yes. But you have to know that you're just going to get one winner. And going back to the caller, you know, whoever goes to, to Bayern or whoever Bayern visits, they're just hoping that they don't get humiliated. And so what happens is that all these teams go into a defensive shell, as you mentioned, Eric, and then try to concede the least amount of goals. Now, what has happened between Borussia Dortmund being so dominant 
that they sold a lot of their players. Um, did they win the, the Bundesliga about three years ago or four years ago, Dortmund? Yep. So what has happened? And I remember Schalke as well were uh, having a great run a couple of years. What has happened that these three teams are not dominating? Well, when you talk about Schalke, you're talking about inconsistency over the years. They seem, yeah. to, they seem to renew a project, and there's a little bit of faith, a little bit of hope that yeah. things are going to change doesn't really change and if you saw in the big uh gelsenkirchen derby with with uh dortmund yeah. basically having their way with yeah. Schalke. as for for dortmund they're playing incredibly well i mean you're, they're only what eight points away from from bayern Munich. but they are second in the league uh and i think they're how far are they ahead of the third place squad well i think uh it's wolfsburg that's yeah, wolfsburg they got really... 20, 25 points right right and Wolfsburg is the only other one that you really – and they're kind of a, an upstart team. I guess they're a team that you could follow because they, you know, their best times are probably ahead of them. Well, they know? also they, – they won the league a, a few years ago as, as well. But they're, these are teams that, as you said before, that they, you know, they have to sell players. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so that makes it very difficult to compete with, with Bayern Munich, which has all the buying power in the oh, world. Oh, yes. How yes. does Bayern keep all their players? Money. Ha- money. I mean, but, <laughs> but the point is, right, but they Coinage. spend that money. How do they make that money back in that particular league? I can't imagine there's they, the, the TV type, type of contracts that they have for the EPL. You know? Well, how nobody, they, nobody compares to the EPL. How can they do that, though? How can well, they keep it intact? They, they do have good TV revenues. Okay. They, their stadiums are always full. You know, and they got good sponsorship. So th- this is enough money. Plus all the all the winnings in the competitions like the Champions League. Yeah, so we have a call online. But before we get to that call, we're going to take a break. The number to call is 888-728-9941. 888-728-9941. This is Vuvu Soccer. Are you a soccer fan wondering where you can catch the soccer match with a great pub atmosphere? The Iron Abbey in Horsham is the place featuring EPL, La Liga, and Champions League. Also a proud pub partner with the Philadelphia Union with early openings Saturday and Sunday for the games with a great breakfast menu and food menu to complement the atmosphere. The Iron Abbey voted Best Bar of the Year 2015 offers 40 beers on draft and over 800 bottles to choose from. Visit their award-winning bottle shop, The Loft, for great takeout and mix-and-match six-packs to go. If you're a soccer fan, you have to check out Iron Abbey, the official soccer pub in the Burbs. Go to ironabbey.com for schedules and like them on Facebook to stay up to date. Please check out the Iron Abbey presents Vuvuzela World Soccer Show every Sunday from 3 to 5 on 610 Sports. Roughneck Scarfs is proud to be an official sponsor of the Vuvuzela Show. Roughneck specializes in custom scarves for schools, clubs, supporters, and corporate promotions. They're also the official scarf supplier to U.S. Soccer, MLS, USL, and NCAA. Visit roughneckscarves.com and use promo code VUVU for an exclusive discount on your next scarf order. Roughneck Scarves. Better service, better designs, better scarves. Robner, Allen Robner, Zimmerman, and Nash is a law firm specializing in workers' compensation, personal injury, domestic relations, and any other legal matter affecting individuals' rights and freedoms. Eric Nash, host of Vuvuzela, the World Soccer Show, is a named partner and has been helping injured individuals for nearly 22 years. Call 215-953-2720 for a free consultation. Most legal matters are handled on a percentage basis. Call 215-953-2720. That's 215 
The law firm of Rovner, Allen, Rovner, Zimmerman, and Nash. They get results. If you suffer from pain or tension, Dr. Frank McCaffrey of Academy Injury and Health Center can help. Academy Injury can help you get out of pain just like they've helped many patients in WTEL's listening audience. In fact, mention the word soccer and receive an incredible first visit special offer. Call Academy Injury and Health Center at 215-637-1212. That's 215-637-1212. Academy Injury and Health Center can get you out of pain and enhance your performance. The city of brotherly love. How you doing? And sisterly affection. We are 610 Sports WTEL AM Philadelphia. Ole, ole. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Thorn Holder with Vuvu Soccer. I'm here with Eric Nash and Eric Krakauer in studio, and we are having a fantastic evening. On the line, we have a very distinguished uh, guest caller. His name is Coach Reed. He's from um, the, that is the director of the Star Soccer Club in Cincinnati, Ohio. He's also a speaker for the John O'Sullivan Changing the Game Project, and he runs a sports club culture training program called Unrivaled. That has modules designed to help help parents, players, coaches, and club leaders develop culture of excellence that helps individuals succeed beyond the game. Hi, Coach Reed. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on, guys. So you have um you have two master's degrees. That's a lot. Is that necessary? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if it's necessary, but uh, it, it's helped me a lot in in shaping and evolving my coaching game. So tell us about sport behavior. What does that mean? Well, the master's itself, my primary focus was uh, sports psychology. So basically the behavioral outcomes, uh, decision-making. But we also touched on a lot of the physical uh, implications of sport, too. So I covered some kinesiology, biomechanics, and all of that as well. Fantastic. Now, it's it's a holiday weekend. We had Thanksgiving last Thursday. Tell us about your weekend. It's been fantastic. Uh, yeah. my, we, we celebrated Thanksgiving with friends, which was a change of pace for us this year. Nice. I had to spend some time with some really good friends. And then yesterday, my wife and I made a meal just for uh, our children and, and ourselves. So we, we got to sort of build a little bit more of a cultural tradition just with our kids over Thanksgiving. And it was just a fantastic day. And <laughs> nice. it, like some of your other callers said, it's just a good weekend to really be thankful and look back on, on gratitude with, with everything that's happened. Now, now you are, well, you know, you are involved with so many different things, but I think, so I guess we kind of have to like dissect and get, get to talking any, about a specific issue. Now we were going to talk today a little bit, and this was one of, one of, you know, you, you pointed this out is a soccer culture in America. Now what, what exactly is for the uninformed, me being one of them, what does soccer culture mean to you, first of all? Well, to me, if you take it from the, the typical definition of culture, it's that idea of shared knowledge, schemes for behavior, how we interpret and interact with the world around us, and it's mm-hmm. passed down uh, regardless of time and genetics. You know, I mean, yes. if you look at culture for soccer, it's basically, or any, any sport, like if you look at the New Zealand All Blacks, it's basically the, the behavioral norms, it's the values, it's the beliefs, it's the mission of that organization. It's, it's how they carry themselves and conduct themselves. So it, I always try to look at it like it's the genetic code. What you see on the field in a lot of teams and clubs is the physical outcome of the genetics that drives it. And so for teams that have uh, this deep culture like, uh, well, I mean, Barcelona and Bayern Munich are suddenly on the forefront, and you look at the Spanish and German teams 
that are so heavily involved in, in Champions League, they have a genetic code that's sort of driving what happens on the field. Fantastic. Now, when you say, I'm sorry, when you say a genetic code, what, uh, what is there an importance of that, and how does that translate to what I think you and, and most of us are trying to have happen here in America? Well, for the U.S., we struggle because I don't, I don't know if any of us really know what our cultural identity is as, as, a, as a soccer nation. We've got a great cultural identity when it comes to the NBA and to baseball and other sports. But we don't know what it is we are as a, as, a, as a country when it comes to soccer because we're so fragmented. We have, just on a youth level, we have multiple organizations that, that sort of govern youth soccer from mm-hmm. the recreation to U.S. club to USSF. Uh, you know, at, at the even in, in we look at the pro ranks, we've got all this fragmentation and discussion over pro uh, promotion relegation, over how things should be run, what, what really are the tiers. There's no fluid movement or understanding. So from top to bottom, there aren't these transmitted values and beliefs that we say, this is how we play soccer as a country. This is how we behave as a country. This is what the game means to us as a country. I mean, it's it's not part of our culture originally. It was something that we adopted from other countries because it wasn't an original sport, quote unquote, for us. Or was it, you look what, at, was it, Coach? Wasn't baseball, you know, really British sports? I mean, you know, football was rugby. I mean, I, I don't understand how that. I think you're. What are you basically saying that you just need the time to develop that cultural significance and that identity? Yes, I, I do. I, I think we do need the time. And if you if you look at, you know, Barcelona didn't develop overnight, and theirs wasn't originally Barcelona. Uh, now what you see is more of the Dutch influence from Ajax, copying the Ajax Youth Academies. Mm-hmm. You know, Cruyff brought that in. If you look at the New Zealand All Blacks, they've been in existence for 100 years. Even they went through a renaissance of culture in 2003 because they had they just they bombed out that year, I believe, uh, at um, the World Cups or major championships, they struggled, and so they, they injected new culture. It takes time and patience. And the problem is, as the U.S., at one point, we thought we were there. 1950, we knocked off England. You know, great opportunity. 1994, we hosted the World Cup, and, and we, we made it further than we expected. And it was a dream season, and yet we still were never able to. We still have yet to create that identity. And, and there's an impatience because we want it to happen, but I, I think it's going to take more time, but more than anything, it needs a, it needs a top-to-bottom understanding. We have to stop being fragmented in how we approach the game. Well, this is actually something that uh, Jurgen Klinsmann wanted to, wanted to implement in U.S. soccer. You know, as technical director, he wanted there to be some sort of philosophy that would go from top-to-bottom and, and back up again. And, and this is one of the things that's so difficult in this country because you're talking about an enormous country. You're talking about different states – Right. Even if you look at a at a country like Brazil, because a lot of people talk about Brazilian football and culture, but there are lots of areas in Brazil where there is basically very little football and culture. They don't have big teams. So when you're when you're looking at establishing an American soccer culture, you're talking about establishing something that is very difficult in a very, very large country. Right, with different states, with with uh, different microcultures. So I wonder if it's even a possibility to do something like that. Uh, I would say if we look at some of the countries that are doing very well, yeah, we're much larger. But uh, I would say that we can do it because if you look at the women, they've established a very clear culture with with the women's national team, with the with the way they, you you know what you you know what you're going to get when those girls take when those women take the field, and you we've seen the results that they've created. I mean, over the years, they've won what they they've won 
four golds and a silver at the Olympics. They actually have basically been in the medal rounds every year that it's been at the Olympics. They've won three World Cups. They've had the player of the year three times. They've also had five second place and four third place players of the year. They basically have had somebody in the player of the year running almost every year since its existence, except for a, a span of time there where Brazil sort of had it locked. Brazil and Germany had it locked up. They've created a culture, and, and with the women, there's an expectancy there, work ethic of determination, of resiliency, of uh, you know this passion for the game, goal scores. We've produced, you know, if you look at the goal scoring list, everybody wants to talk about. And I'm not knocking because I love them, but everyone wants to say, you know, Landon Donovan's the all-time leading goal scorer in the U.S. He's actually like seventh when you add in the women. You got Abby Wambach, Mia Hamm, Christine Lilly, Michelle Akers, Tiffany Milbritt, Cindy Parlow, even Carly. I mean, Carly Lord, Lloyd at the most recent World Cup. They all have more goals than him. Although one, one and, sorry to interrupt, but one huge benefit of women's soccer is that competition was scarce for a very long time. So you, you had the United States implementing or, or uh, implementing women's soccer or implementing a philosophy in women's soccer and then having it grow, but you were competing against very few countries. Now we're starting to see a little bit more competition, but even in this last World Cup, we saw just how dominant some nations are. When we're talking about men's soccer, we're also talking about competing with, with nations, as you said, that, that, have, that have developed their philosophies over a very long period of time. Yes. True, and, and, and you also see teams completely fall off the map and reappear. I mean, Uruguay for a very long yep. time was a world power in soccer. Yep. They disappeared, and now look at their, you know, the resurgence, and they have <laughs> they have 3.4 million people, and look what they're putting on the field as far as goal scorers, and we're struggling to really find to, as, as a nation, identify who our key leader at the top of the, of the, you know, the, top of the field is. We're not quite sure who our quote-unquote goal scorer is anymore as we try to figure it out. And Uruguay could, you know, they could close their eyes and point to the bench and find a guy that's going to produce. So where does so uh, it, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, no, go go on. Yeah. So um, when we look at Uruguay, for example, who what who feeds that national senior team? And then we look at America, who feeds the MLS and who feeds the senior team? Uh, we look at college soccer. You know, that's where a lot of players get drafted from. The U.S. has a, a system of drafting players from college. So the college soccer game has a real integral part of the culture of, uh, of the sport. Um, how, do, how, does, how does that gap get closed, the culture gap? <laughs> I think that's one of the million-dollar questions we have. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. one of the square peg, round hole comments that, yeah, that yeah. I've, I've talked with other people about is, our soccer culture right now is predicated by our youth sport and our yeah. sport culture in America, which if you look at the other sports that we've been very dominant in, it mm. follows that progression of youth to, to the AAU type level, you know, select yes. travel level to high school, to college, and then draft. And yeah. soccer isn't like that in other no. countries. <laughs> they don't follow that progression. They're following more of the domestic league model, domestic club model, and, and if you look, even Spain, for instance, I know they have the, the Messi effect with, with Barcelona because he's not, he's not Catalan, he's not from Spain. But if you look at the rest of the Barcelona team, they typically have a high number of Spanish players on their yes. team who are benefiting from having that talent like a, a, a Messi or now a Suarez and they are on the field with them so that when they go to play for their senior team, they're building the talent pool of the nation, Germany. I mean – the last two World Cups have had European clubs in the finals, and there was a re there was a research project done by it was at University of Madison, Wisconsin, that showed that these 
these homegrown domestic leagues that drive the national teams tend to show the success, which is why Spain was dominant for a while there and why Germany had such a good World Cup is because look at the Bundesliga, look at you know La Liga. Uh, we are struggling because we, we're, we're not sure as a country, do we put all of our eggs in the MLS basket? That, that, do we put all of our eggs in the college basket? And so we have, again, this fragmentation of which is the best route for athletes to take. Do they go DA? Do we keep them in select clubs? Do we, you know, and for instance, the DA, we injected that as an opportunity to spark the bridge that gap. But for many youth clubs, they're seen as the antagonist. They're seen as destroying high school soccer. They're seen as, you know, anti-club. So I'm not not, not saying I have a solution today, but you, you see the fragmentation. And I think that's why we struggle to figure out why can't we close that gap. Now, the EPL is a fantastic league, but the England hasn't been saying anything in, in recent World Cups. No, and there was just a report that was talking about the strongest clubs in the world yeah. from a culture perspective. And believe it or not, partisan Belgrade was one of them mentioned because that club has had a tremendous culture since it was formed. And then, of course, Bayern Munich and Barcelona and then Sevilla. And you look at them, it's all German and Spanish teams. And everybody says, well, you know, I have a buddy that I'm doing a, getting ready to start a podcast with, and he's out of the U.K. And he said, we're really struggling in England. And one of the reasons is if you look at the EPL, we're not English. You know, last year's darlings, Chelsea, if you look at their starting lineup any given day, it was maybe one English player on the, on the field. It was maybe yeah. John Terry. You That's know? about it. The yeah. rest well, of and and now you look at Hazard and Fabregas and right. Oscar and William, and it was like – they go back to their countries and they take that talent back. But if there's only one, if there's only one British player on the field with ten other players from other countries, you're not growing the talent pool domestically. And that's yeah. why you're that seeing now, and that's why you're seeing now Tottenham having such a such a, an influence on you on the uh, national team because you've got Pochettino who is really uh, producing, developing players like Eric Dyer. You know, uh, Mason, all these guys who are, yeah. who are coming in, uh, Kane, and who right. are actually gaining a spot in the English national team. And then you look at, at Jamie Vardy and what he's done now. And he's an English player who's now going to be the starter for the English national team. So you had English players in the smaller teams, when now with more money, they're able to develop these players a little bit more. But you're, I think you're going to start, a, start seeing a little bit of a change now uh, with the English national team because they're playing more English nationals in the bigger teams. I would hope I would hope we'd see it as similar as we saw with you know like Germany and Spain where these players let's bring in you know the MLS we see it let's bring in these high quality messy type players but make sure you're also injecting in there some some domestic players who are able to benefit from having that catalyst in the mix and you're right Tottenham uh, Vardy is what's awesome about Vardy is he just surpassed a non English player in EPL record books for 11 straight games with you know, with a goal, so he's he's bringing it. He's bringing the pride back to England. If you look at the uh, if you look at the old NASL in the seventies and eighties, I guess into the early nineties, whenever it stopped, you know, the big knock on that league was always that they would bring in over the hill international players. You know what I mean? <laughs> and as the league went on, you know, the cos they kept changing the rules, kind of like they do with the MLS a little bit, allowing the Cosmos and teams of that ilk to bring in you know, as many as many international players as they could, basically. You know what I mean? And, you know, the, the, the guys got were on the bench, the American guys, until they weren't even on the bench anymore, really. So, I mean, I guess the problem is with the MLS, that was always kind of the culture with the MLS, was always, hey, we're not going to do that. And now it looks to me like they're starting to do that again because uh, now aren't we going down that same road with the MLS? And before you know it, 
the, the American players are going to be pushed out, and it's not going to hurt the culture ultimately. I worry about that. I mean, that's it's. I have a friend who he's from another country, and he jokes that he says, you know, we call we call your league the graveyard. It's where all of us old guys go to retire. <laughs> and you know, he said he overheard one time on an interview a, a, a famous European player say, "Well, my wife said when I can't when I'm when I'm not physically capable of playing here in Europe, we'll just head over to the America, to America come play in the MLS." And <laughs> and it's mean because it's not that case. It's it's changing that the level of play is is much better in the MLS than it used to be. So. I sort of took offense at his joke because I said, no, I mean, you, gotta, you have to give it time. Again, it didn't – Barcelona wasn't built overnight, and you have to give it time. But we, we do need to start surrounding these highlight players with American homegrown talent. And the problem is, is we're seeing that a lot of our national team level players, they go over to overseas to play and come back. They go to hone their skills and then come back to us. So the problem is, is they're not with us in the league yet on a regular basis. It's interesting to see what happens with Morris, you know, with, with potential for signing, you know, one of the biggest contracts in the MLS. If he stays here and we can build a team around guys like that. So they're, they're, they're getting these touch points with these high-level players. But, again, we, we need some players that aren't just going to come here and, quote, unquote, retire because we've seen it. And I'm not going to say names, but there's a few players people are upset because they've shown up in the U.S. and they almost don't even try. Yeah. You know, they don't. The passion's not there. No, you mentioned. And we don't want that. You mentioned it. Uh, you need time. Now, time is important. But uh, let's say there's an analogy a friend of mine gave to me. He said, if you if you park a Toyota Corolla on the side of the street and you leave it there for two thousand years, it's not going to turn into a Mercedes Benz. You know. So yes, time <laughs> time is a factor. But let's say with the, with the uh, advent of Jurgen Klinsmann, I think that was a move in the right direction to add some heritage, some pedigree. Um, but I feel that there has to be systemic change, you know, as far as culture is concerned. Um, because the way the leagues are run, um, the way players are promoted, there's no relegation. I think these, there are some significant things that are affecting the growth of the of the league and soccer in general in America um, outside of just personnel changes. What do you think? Mm. I would agree with you. I, I would say that, it, you know, it, it's let's go back to the genetics yeah. idea of culture. Getting a facelift doesn't genetically change who you no, were. You're right. You know, it just change how, changes how you, look. how you look. And so it's mm-hmm. the same thing right now. It's some of the things that we're instituting are at the top that, or, you know, you see stuff written by John Gordon and others talking about the tree. So we're changing the, the leaves of the tree are changing color, but the roots are still there. We're not doing anything about that. Uh-huh. And if, as a youth coach embedded in the grassroots, what I'm seeing every day is it, when you talk to friends in other countries and you look at their models, their children from day one are being put in place in front of what they consider highly trained professionals. They're being put in situations where from the very get-go, hopefully, they're being given the opportunity to, to develop at their very best. And we have it in all other, other sports. But in soccer, we're not, and it's not their fault, we're not training our coaches and, and administrators all the way deep down. I mean, the very yeah. first touch point for most kids is rec soccer, and we're yeah. not providing the resources to rec soccer. I, reach out, I reached out to uh, Say National recently and said, hey, let's have lunch. He said, this would be great, you know, because – I told him, I said, what can I do for your local organizations? There are 10 say groups right around, you know, there are 10 of these rec groups right around my club. What can I do to help your coaches? Because it's usually the parent that raises their hand that suddenly becomes the coach. So the first four or five years and those nascent years of development for those children in the game and the love of the game and the skill sets, 
is a volunteer who's maybe reading a book and maybe took a course, but nobody's given them any more resources. A little off. And, of, I'm sorry, sir. Yeah. You know, I was just going to say, the other piece is even for us professionals, we only, we're only taught the game of soccer, the technical and tactical aspects of the game, but soccer culture is so much more than that. It's how to communicate with a child. It's yes. ethical ramifications of interactions. It's, you know, to become a teacher, I, I went and got a master's if I wanted to be a teacher. I, you know, I, I didn't just, they didn't just say, well, you, you know, you went to school for 12 years when you graduated as a senior, you had 12 years of experience in the classroom. So you'd probably make a pretty good teacher, go teach these kids. Then they said, no, you need to go get a degree because we need to be able to see that you can actually teach children. And yet for coaching, it's like, oh, if you have playing experience, you must be a good coach. So here, we'll give you this group of kids. A little, little off the beaten path, but I would like to know your thoughts being involved with, with youth soccer about the, the United States soccer, like eliminating heading for for kids playing. I think it's under 15. Is that right? I want to know what you think, and how does that affect the growth of soccer and I guess even the culture of soccer? They're changing the sport I, in some way, you know? Yeah, I think we're going to take a PR hit for it, and, and I'm already seeing it with people. Whether I agree or disagree, to be honest with you, we I don't think we know the long-term effects yet. I think we're starting to see some of the CTE stuff with the, the NFL, and we're starting to understand that it's the repetitive, uh, you know, it's the repetitive contact that's just as bad, sometimes if not worse than you know the major trauma events when it comes to the head. But what we have, what I have told people is, what we have is the issue we have at hand here is we've got. Again, we need to better train our our coaches and our administrators and our parents and everybody else because what we have is we have eight-year-olds punting the ball 15, 20, 30 times a game and eight-year-olds trying to head those punts. And honestly, what we're doing is we're legislating, for lack of a better term, poor coaching. A lot of the legislative moves we've made Mm -hmm. with our governing bodies is to stop the poor coaching. We're, we're instituting these changes because we see that coaches take advantage for one reason, to win. Why would we ever keep or punt? Because we want to win. We want to get the ball to the other end field and win. We're not about developing our players. And unfortunately, whether you're one of those coaches or not, your kids have to head that ball when it's punted. And so I think we're going to take a PR hit for that reason. But I think the fix, again, is a systemic change in how we're training our coaches and what we're, what we're what our focus is. We've got to stop thinking of winning as the, the ultimate goal because winning is an outcome of a culture that creates excellence and competition. And if you're creating a culture, winning becomes that. If you look at these, again, the New Zealand All Blacks. If you look at their cultural values as a club, there's nothing in there about winning. Everything that they've created, winning becomes that byproduct. And yes, with youth soccer in America, what's our sole focus? Winning. Whether we use the word development or not, it's masked in the idea that if our club's big and we want revenues and we want to build our resume, and we're going to have to win to do that. That's it. So, uh, uh, Coach Reed, it's been a real pleasure having you on, and we definitely look forward to having you on in the future. Now, what I'm seeing here is that you and I personally do similar type work, you know, as far as um, changing the game, uh, culture, and basically mindset um, in terms of educating um, people from uh, the youth level all the way, all the way to the top of the senior level. So it was a real pleasure having you on. We have this promotion running where we shout your crew. So, Coach Reed. Is there anybody you would like to big up on the radio before you go, sir? Oh, yes. Well, I, I have to do it as a blanket, but all my Twitter followers, because I've been telling them, said, check this out today. Uh, and and I, they're you know, hoping they're listening. Uh, Star Soccer Club in Cincinnati, all my players and parents and coaches there. Uh, Cincinnati Saints organization, all the players that, that I work with there. Uh, those would be the ones that I, 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 I hope they call in to you guys, talk to you guys, and, uh, and um, 
you know, go for one of those really cool scarves you're talking about. <laughs> Thank you, Coach. I really want to say we, I hope this will be continued, okay? Chapter one, because it was really educational and fun, so thank you. All righty. Thank Gentlemen, you very much. I had a blast. Thank you so much. All righty. Take okay. care. Well, there you go. You too. Fantastic. Well, well, I'll tell you what. So I, sometimes I even learn anything. Who am I kidding? I learn something every 10 seconds. Every okay, 10, especially hanging out okay. with Thorn Holder, okay. I hope. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. It may not me. be useful, <laughs> but you learn something. I do stuff. learn something. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so so Eric, basically, moving on. what do you think about this, the, the, with the, the no-heading rules that are coming down, you know, with that? Look, I don't, I don't think it's as serious as a lot of people are making it out to be. And what I mean is, is taking heading out of the game at a certain age. Ultimately, we care more about children's health than we do about whether or not they can head a ball. And heading a ball, as important as it is in the game, is not as important as everything else you're supposed to be learning at that point. I actually have a very good friend, and he's been a guest on on, uh, my podcast, the Big Soccer Head podcast, and he's the associate director of of the Manhattan Soccer Club in New York City. And I had this conversation with him. Actually, we talk a lot about the youth development here because he's an expert, obviously. Uh, and he's, he said to me, look, when you're talking about very young kids, that's really not where the onus should be placed. So if they start heading at 14, that's something they can learn pretty quickly without a problem. So I, d- I don't think this is going to handicap American soccer. What does handicap American soccer, and, and, and it was mentioned by, by Coach Reed in that call, is that we do have – splintered development and ultimately uh, you're going to have to see clubs mls clubs take the lead in this department they're going to have to invest in their development academies there because if not i don't know who's going to who's going to take the reins on on this issue really when you look at the uh just the change in rules this particular change has been kind of like a you know a talking point for a couple weeks now uh do they are they doing this in any other country or area in the world not that I know of, no. That's what I'm saying. So what, the health concerns don't matter in Asia, in Europe? I mean, that's what I'm saying. Why Why do we have to change the very nature of the game? Look, again, I, I don't know because, you know, it's interesting that this is taken, this is starting to uh, to get a little bit of, of rhythm here, this issue with, with heading the ball. Because if you look at the NFL, and I know this is a soccer show, I mean, you've got all this evidence and something like, I'm going to spout a, a statistic that I'm pulling out of my rear end, but it's something ar- around this number, where 50% of NFL players have some sort of head trauma, uh, and some of the head injuries that they have cause degenerative conditions, right, yeah. that we've seen. Like Alzheimer's and so on. Right, yeah. And, yeah. but you... We hear a lot of oopla, but nothing really, nothing re- really changes. Yeah. So when you're talking about kids, it's much easier to make these changes. Why aren't other countries talking about this? I don't know. I, I, I maybe they are, and we're just not in tune with with the conversation. Okay. But if we can take the lead on this issue, then we should. Yeah. Because. Yeah. We don't want these kids to to get sick. And in terms of of getting sick, there's also a conversation that's being had right now about the turf fields and those little pieces of rubber, right? I don't know if those conversations are being had in in other places either, but this is something that needs to be looked into. Well, in other places, they don't use as much turf. You know, other places they play on. uh, I mean, I grew up in in Portugal. I grew up playing our club for the youth development. We didn't. The club didn't have money for for grass. The professional team played on grass. Yeah. Or the 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 A team. Obviously, I I played under sixteen, under fifteen, under sixteen. We played on what was called campo pelado, which is basically a a dirt field. Yes. Right. And so, 
that helped contribute a lot to the development of skills because the ball bounces Bumping a lot. It's, it's, it's very it's <laughs> it's very fast. Now the turf is starting to be adopted there as well. Yeah, yeah. I want you to take the thought of what's being done for health reasons for for the youth. Okay. Now I I we you know I see a lot of youth soccer and I to me the reason I started the show is because I said you know what. This is a growing thing. You can see the kids playing. With young people, it's probably professional soccer is probably their favorite sport. You know, kids in, in the 10 to 15 range. Yes. There's been, you know, there's, there's, there's been a lot of, uh, t- they've tested the kids and a lot of them said that's their favorite sport. You know, right. they're messy, whatever. But the thing is, do you think that perhaps with the health concerns that we're showing in this country, will it help young parents to, and children to decide, hey, you know what? Maybe you know soccer is better. They they can't worry about the safety than, than football because football is so under attack right now. So maybe tangentially, maybe maybe it'll work in the favor of growing the soccer culture in this country. Well, I, I, I think so. Look, I'm of, of of the age where most of my friends now have children, and when I have this conversation with them, they talk about every sport except. Football, and I'm talking about football, American football, throwball, basically. Throw ball, right. And um, and health concerns are exactly that reason. But something else that kept kids away from soccer in the past is when I first moved to this country, I was 18 years old, and there was really nowhere you could watch soccer. Now it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere, right? So if you're a kid who starts playing at five and develops until he's about 14, 15, now you see that there is – an exit. There is a potential for you to play in college. There is a potential for you to even become a professional. Whereas before, you had kids who played soccer, and then they thought, "Well, what's what's the end game here? What's the what's the goal? There's nothing for me to go to, so I'm going to switch sports. So that's going to help it grow as well." Yeah. Now this is a question not far off, but I always wondered why are helmets made out of hard material? Like the skull is hard. Right? Why isn't the, the, the football helmets made out of a, let's say, tempopedic type absorb, absorbent? So when people clash, instead of clats, you hear something nice and soft. <laughs> you know, there's a. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these are simple solutions that we have people getting paid millions of dollars that cannot come up with this. Secondly, there's a movie uh, starring Will Smith um, called Concussion. That is coming out very soon. I think it's out already. It'll be out uh, I've seen the, yeah, I've seen the uh, yeah, yeah. ads for it. So it certainly, if it's not out, it's out very soon. Yeah. Yeah. Now we we have been told as young kids that every time you head the ball, um, you lose brain cells. You know. Um, but at the same time, you find that athletes have a sharper response. They're a bit more clever. Um, they have the ability to process information better. Um, also, well, when it comes maybe to their game, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if in other areas, but you know. Yeah, yeah. So, how do you test? You know, how do you how do you test? Let's say you have eleven kids on a team. Um, how do you test what is affecting their cognitive responses? What is affecting their ability to solve problems? Because one, let's say a kid might be heading a ball six or seven times a day. But he goes home and he, he drinks a lot of Coca-Cola and doesn't drink enough water. We can't measure what is affecting his, his ability. So it's very complicated. Look, I, don't, I, don't, I think that the data, the, there's still not enough data uh, in this department. But ultimately, I mean, going back to the, the topic of soccer development, yeah, yeah. I really don't think 
that this is an issue that Americans should worry about in yeah. terms of developing soccer players. Because that is, if you look at the U.S. national team or you look at the MLS, that's clearly not the, the biggest pl- problem that we're <laughs> dealing with to make these teams competitive. You're right. You're Here's right. a little statistic that I just got sent mm-hmm. uh, by my girlfriend who's listening to the show. She wrote, uh, 87% of NFL players test positive for some sort of brain disease uh, report in 2014. 80%? No, 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 sorry. 87% of players diagnosed with concussions, I guess, is accurate. Now, maybe that's not true, or maybe it is, but there you go. That's pretty uh, serious, and I don't think we'll see that in soccer. No, I have had um, a couple of uh, concussions myself, but after the break, we'll get to that. Ladies and gentlemen, the number to call is 888-728-9941. That's 888-728-9941. Robner, Allen, Robner, Zimmerman, and Nash is a law firm specializing in workers' compensation, personal injury, domestic relations, and any other legal matter affecting individuals' rights and freedoms. Eric Nash, host of Vubuzella, the World Soccer Show, is a named partner and has been helping injured individuals for nearly 22 years. Call 215-953-2720 for a free consultation. Most legal matters are handled on a percentage basis. Call 215-953-2720. That's 215-953-2720. The law firm of Rovner, Allen, Rovner, Zimmerman, and Nash. They get results. Are you a soccer fan wondering where you can catch the soccer match with a great pub atmosphere? The Iron Abbey in Horsham is the place featuring EPL, La Liga, and Champions League. Also a proud pub partner with the Philadelphia Union with early openings Saturday and Sunday for the games with a great breakfast menu and food menu to complement the atmosphere. The Iron Abbey voted Best Bar of the Year 2015 offers 40 beers on draft and over 800 bottles to choose from. Visit their award-winning bottle shop, The Loft, for great takeout and mix-and-match six-packs to go. If you're a soccer fan, you you have to check out Iron Abbey, the official soccer pub in the Burbs. Go to ironabbey.com for schedules and like them on Facebook to stay up to date. Please check out the Iron Abbey presents Vuvuzela World Soccer Show every Sunday from 3 to 5 on 610 Sports. Roughneck Scarfs is proud to be an official sponsor of the Vuvuzela Show. Roughneck specializes in custom scarves for schools, clubs, supporters, and corporate promotions. They're also the official scarf supplier to U.S. Soccer, MLS, USL, and NCAA. Visit roughneckscarves.com and use promo code VUVU for an exclusive discount on your next scarf order. Roughneck Scarves. Better service, better designs, better scarves. If you suffer from pain or tension, Dr. Frank McCaffrey of Academy Injury and Health Center can help. Academy Injury can help you get out of pain just like they've helped many patients in WTEL's listening audience. In fact, mention the word soccer and receive an incredible first visit special offer. Call Academy Injury and Health Center at 215-637-1212. That's 215-637-1212. Academy Injury and Health Center can get you out of pain and enhance your performance.
Okay, okay we are back. And uh, Thorne, Thorne's on the board doing a great job, by the way. Thank you, sir. Running this thing. Is this, is this our special guest coming? First of all, I've been doing nothing. That's uh, Ryan, the general back there on the keys. That is doing everything and making me look good. Um, it's a great afternoon. Um, coming up, coming up on uh, this segment. First of all, I'm going to give the callers an opportunity to rename the segment if they have something more exciting. But this is called the Thornholder Report. Or, if you're French, the Thornholder Rapport. Okay. You know Stephen Colbert, uh, Comedy Central? Well, he calls his rapport a rapport. Um, That's not bad. Maybe you should call it the rapport. The Thornholder Rapport. Nah, just keep trying. Let's keep trying. Yeah. You have a yeah, you have a good report, but let's keep trying. We could probably do better. Yeah, I like the third holder report, report, whatever you want to call it. I think it yeah. works. It sounds serious. It does sound <laughs> yes. serious. Yes. yes, very. Um, Which is so anti Ford, but I, I, <laughs> it's so anti his personality, personality. But maybe, maybe, maybe that's what will make it really funny. Do you know? Let's let's do this for real quick uh, to make this this segment excitement. Maxine, the queen. All I need is a fast machine. That's not the words of the song, but do you know that song? I don't. How about... <laughs> Maybe, no, I don't know. No. Nobody knows that song? No. no. What about Roxanne? You don't have yeah, to Roxanne, put on the red light yeah, we know. by uh, the sure. police? Uh, yeah, sure. that one, well, that one's so, famous. Let's tee it up. We are preparing for our guest from Canada and Gibraltar, Spain. His name is Eric Callis, and the other guy's name is John's last name. And uh, John is from Europa Point FC. Uh, he's calling from Gibraltar, Spain. He has a fantastic third division team in Spain that uh, what they do is they basically rejuvenate the careers of uh, players that may have had injuries, that are, that are looking to switch teams and leagues and so on. Um, how do we, let's say, how do we incorporate that type of uh, idea in, in America where the MLS stops being the league to rejuvenate careers or where players come to die, and we have a separate league for that. Um, yeah, how do we go about creating some excitement? Well, do the, you really think that mm. that is truly, truly where we are right now? Is it the league that comes? I mean, like Eric was saying, I mean, I think mm. certainly there's been strives made. Am I wrong with the, with the, the football on the field? Oh, yeah. It's yes. much improved. It's come a long way. Look, right. this was a league... What is it, 20 years old? It's, uh, yeah, the it's league young. is now a teenager in soccer years, right? It's, That's right. That's so right. so mm-hmm. let's give it some credit that it's come uh, a long way. Let's just not – I agree here that we can't keep importing Jurassic players who are on their last legs, even though you have people like Steven Gerrard saying this league is a lot harder than people think. You can't just walk around – on the on the field here, Eric, yeah. or would you say Gerard and, and Drogba and players of uh, like that? Do you think that they are really Jurassic players? Don't, don't you believe that they still? I mean, Drogba I think scored ten goals in about eleven games. Didn't he? I think it was uh, twelve and thirteen. Okay, but whatever. I mean, that's certainly well. Look, he's you know, he's thirty seven years old. But when you look at somebody like Drogba, he's a physical specimen of a, of a player. He's also playing in a position. A different position from Steven Gerrard. He's playing up top. He can right. he can uh, decide when to go, when not to go, when to move, when not to move. Somebody like Steven Gerrard, he is at the tail end of his career, but he can still play. He's very fit. But you saw the difficulties that Andrea Pirlo had adapting right. to NYCFC and the league. Now, why is that, though, do you think? Well, he's a player that if you if you followed Pirlo in the last couple of years in, in Europe at, at Juve, he was a player that in the center midfield played with two guys who did incredible amount of work in Vidal, who's now at Bayern Munich, and Marquisio, who was injured in the beginning of the season. And you saw how much 
his absence cost Juve because you know they they've been limping. They're starting to get, gather some some steam. You you go to NYCFC and you're the star player, but you don't have those guys to do the dirty work that Marquisio and Vidal did for for Pirlo. And you really notice that on the field. I mean, when you look at when you look at uh, comparing with always compare the old NESL to to the MLS now. And I mean, the guys that they brought over. I mean, Pele was well well past his prime. Canelia was in his was was kind of there. Beckenbauer was kind of past his prime too, I believe. Oh yeah. And George Best, these guys were like past their prime. Trevor France, like, I mean, I, my I guess my my point to that is that I don't see that so much here. No. I see, in fact, I see a lot of, like, Mexican players coming in. I see, like, I don't see a bad thing. I, I just, there's something about the league that I think doesn't, like, sell itself properly. I, I can't think of a better way to, to explain but it. But wait, that. I mean, I spent the, the whole summer in Europe, and MLS games were being shown there. It's, really? They're being shown in England. I think Sky has the rights to MLS games, and people are watching. So the MLS doesn't have the same reputation abroad as it used to have five years ago. Now it's getting more respect. And if you take somebody like Kai Kamara and what he said at, at face value, he said that when he was playing for Norwich and for Middlesbrough, he had a lot of players who were asking him about the MLS and how they get to the to the MLS. Really? Yeah, but the issue is those players, yeah. when you're talking about Norwich City and you're talking about Middlesbrough, you're not talking about big-time players. You're talking about players who are good, they play in the championship, or they, they play in the in the end at the bottom uh, end of the table in the in the Premier League, who are right. looking for a good payday. I mean, because you you can bring a lot of these players into the MLS, and they're going to be making a lot more money that they than they make in the is championship. The pay is the pay higher in the MLS for that type of player? If they're if if you're somebody like Saint Ledger, who uh, I believe he was a Birmingham when he came to uh, to Orlando, he's going right. to yeah. he's going to get a bump. He's going to get a, a bump in his salary. You you got a player like Ridgewell, who's I don't know exactly how much he's earning. Uh, for the Timbers, but I'm sure he's earning more than he did or pretty much the same as he did in, in England. But he's a guy who actually played mm-hmm. up, you know, at a at a pretty respectable level in England. But, yes, there are players who want to come here because they, they see it as a, a as a, an opportunity to cash in, for sure. Now, now we would argue, it's it's funny because Simon and, and the coach would, would argue, Coach Kamerskar, Coach K, would argue, would argue about yeah, the only teams that the players would want to come from, the Steven Gerrards of the world, would be New York, would not play for New York or Los Angeles. And how would you, how do you ever, if that's true, do you believe that that's true? And if it is true, how do you ever build a league like that? Well, that's the yeah, thing. You know? And right. if, you, if you go back to the origins of the MLS and the way it's developed, parity. And I know before I came on the show today, I was listening to you guys in the car. And, you know, parity was one of the goals. But over time, that disappears. And what you're seeing is exactly that. You're going to get the better international players going, wanting to go to the bigger markets, for sure. And that's going to cause a problem. But, but is it about going to, to live in New York or Los Angeles? Or is it to get the payday? Well, what is the – because what I'm saying is the Philadelphia Union grew to a point – would it really matter if you went to New York or Philadelphia if you got the same pay? I mean, I know that I know that I'm in Philadelphia right now, so it might be dangerous saying this, but I think <laughs> I, okay. I I would rather live in New York, New York. Than, than in Philadelphia. But if I'm a foreigner, because you don't 
you don't hear about Philadelphia in the same way as you do New York, New York or Los or Angeles, or right? Miami. Right. Yes, yes. Yeah, but yes. Then Philadelphia again, is a great city. My, don't get Miami me wrong. Is, wait, Miami is uh, Miami as well. South Beach, absolutely. Uh, Texas is J.R. Ewing well, and why. Dallas. You know, I mean, the point is every every year. I mean, the, the Pacific Northwest is beautiful. I mean, I can't imagine if the salaries were similar that it would be that big of a deal. I mean, if you said to I would just pick any European player that would who could say Ronaldo, right? Maybe he's a bad example because he's so so cosmopolitan. But you know, if you say we're going to pay you the same amount that we're going to pay you in Los Angeles, probably maybe he, he you know you you know he wouldn't want to be the king of Philadelphia. Well, you also the best player by far on the team. Well, you and, have to see what other opportunities living in these places afford you. Yeah. So if you if you live in these big media capitals of the world. You're going to be involved in other ventures, yes. things besides soccer. Yep. Um, you're and gonna I, that would be a Los Angeles. That would be a bump for Los Angeles and New York, certainly. I mean, that's yeah. You a can't player, really argue that. A player like Ronaldo as well. Uh, he he loves the limelight. He loves paparazzi, models, pictures. So you find that these players they they come to America not just to play. They come to re- retire. To play. They come to play and to play. They come to play and to play. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Right. They come to retire with the cameras, fanfare, red carpet. They can want to get invited to the awesome events, uh, Grammys, meet the president and so forth. Um, so it's a lot going on. Don't but they do that in London, guys? I mean, it of, really is not. Of course, but this it's is not exciting as London. Is. This is America. This is the U.S. of A. <laughs> oh, this is why Hollywood. I came here from small Portugal, mm-hmm. okay. right? Yeah, well, okay. I guess that's, that's something I don't see because to me, I see London, I see L.A. To me, they seem very similar, these big cosmopolitan. I mean, I understand New York is the... But there's certainly big, big cities. Portugal, maybe, you know, Spain. I mean, there's a lot... Oh, but I absolutely. guess America still has that mystique. Oh, right. Okay. Of course it does. Of course uh-huh. it does. But I, I will say this. If you look at the Red Bulls, mm-hmm. right, and they'll be playing for their lives in I a few hear hours. Where, I want to hear what you think about these two matches, too, if you don't mind. I will. Now, I'll tell now that we have you here, we have a little bit of problem connecting all these continents together on Thorn's, Thorn's spot here. Maybe we <laughs> can go into what I wanted to talk to you about nice. earlier. Well, let this be the, the segue. If you look at the – and I talk about this a lot on, on my podcast with yeah. my co-hosts, uh, Jason Lemire and, and Paul Farrell. And if you – I wouldn't worry so much if I'm a club trying to be competitive in the MLS. I wouldn't worry so much about bringing big stars. Look at, look at the Red Bulls. Look what they did. You have Ali Curtis come in. You know, he replaces uh, – he comes in and, and becomes a technical di- uh, director. The mm. first decision he makes is to get rid of Mike Petke and brings in Marsh. Why? Because there was an understanding between these guys that they wanted to build a philosophy at the club. We're talking about soccer culture. And the philosophy did not involve big star players earning ridiculous amounts of money. You bring good players who fit into the system that you want to implement. And I think that that should be the model that most MLS teams follow. Because well, look most of them have to do that. They have to do that. It's not a, right. It's not necessarily a, ma- a matter of like the Philadelphia. They have to do that. Right. They got to follow the Columbus model or whatever you would call it. You know, because they can. They but can, there has they can't to play be. the New York Rebel game or or certainly not the LA Galaxy game. Right. You know. But there has to be cohesiveness between what happens on the field and what happens in, in the in the in the boardrooms. Right. They, yes. The the idea, the plan has to be the same. Mm-hmm. So um, we have our caller on the line that we have been waiting for. Uh, let's let's tee it up. Let's introduce the segment. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Thornholder Report. This is brought to you by uh, Get the Funk Off. That is an athletic wipe. <laughs> Every time I say it. Are you allowed to say that on the Eric, radio? Yeah. Okay. If you could see it, smell it, or touch it, uh, get the funk off. Eric, good evening. How are you doing? 
Good. How are you guys there? Oh, we're fantastic. <laughs> we're in studio here with Eric Nash, um, Eric Krakauer, and Eric Callis. I'm hey, the only non-Eric. The line too. <laughs> yeah. We have another Eric on the other line. We're, we're like... going to have to change the name to Eric Holder if that's okay. <laughs> Okay. The, the, the Attorney it's General. Not Eric. Good evening. I'm John. John. Oh, Monday John. Oh, good. Hello, John. Let me tell you, when I hear your accent, Hi John, there. I just perk up. I get excited. I feel like now soccer has started. Um, oh. <laughs> how are you doing? <laughs> fine, fine. Thanks. Just, just so much involved, so busy with football itself. Yes. Now, all let me for, call for the lads. Let's give the, the, the numbers out since we have such special guests on the line. The number to call, folks, is 888-728-9941. You're listening to the Vuvu Soccer Show brought to you by the Iron Abbey and a couple of other sponsors like Roughneck Scarf, Soccer.com, and Get the Funk Off and Aim Man Incorporated. All right? So, uh, John, how you doing? Last week, we had a premature ending to our conversation. Now we have a little bit more time. What are you thinking about today? Well, basically, again, it's, it's the same thing. We, we've got a fantastic uh, football club here uh, in uh, in Gibraltar. Yes. As you know, we, we, we were two matches away from qualifying for, for Europe last uh, last season. Yes. Uh, we are top of the league uh, currently, unbeaten. Fantastic. And, and we have based our, our, our team on only players who have been released by other clubs. Okay. okay. Uh, there was even one that Eric sent over to us, uh, Marek. Yeah. Um, and, and he was doing quite well. So uh, what we want is is, uh, is maybe a sponsor to come along if if if, uh, if if there is in the states or anybody who is interested in soccer you know we we give them a second chance both here at uh, Europa Point yes, uh, yeah. FC as well as at Real Valladolid. So what is your role specifically at Europa Point FC? I'm I'm the chairman. I'm the owner of the club. Oh wow! So we're speaking with the general himself. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so how long has this cl- has this yeah. club been uh, been around, um, John? It's only one season. Only last uh, la- last year we started the club because initially what I was doing is getting players from league football education in England. Uh, yeah. They vouch for players who've been released in England, and yes. I was giving them second chances in various clubs in the south of Spain. Um, and uh, because I was released myself by Watford in oh. 1978. Yes. A long time ago. <laughs> yes, before I was and, born. Uh, and what I'm doing is really, we're, we're only taking players who have been released by other clubs. Now, do you have a youth development program as well? We don't have. We, we give, we daringly give chance to young players, but, but okay. it's only, we don't have a youth program. Because to be honest, I think youth program, uh, is, is a, there is a bottleneck because, you know, come on, after under 18, there are very few senior teams and you, and you create lots of young players, which is great. Yes. Uh, but but maybe may, the chances later on is, is is very very small for them to progress in football. No, I was a player that also was released by a football club. Um, what are some of the difficulties or common problems you find with players in terms of getting back to their standard of play or getting back to the top teams that they were in? What are some of the problems that these players face personally? 
Yeah, the person they are they are depressed really. Depressed. You know, they they have sacrificed uh, their studies uh, for football. Yeah. So I think football, especially in England, that that generates millions really, yes. should give something back to these uh, to these boys because uh, they come you know come eighteen until eighteen they are they are considered the best players that they would be successful that they would be earning maybe uh, in one year what their teachers earn in a lifetime. Uh, and then suddenly at 18 they are released. So obviously they are very very depressed to start off with. Okay. Uh, but but then in a new country where it's very sunny here in in, in Gibraltar and in, in south of Spain as well, I think and we give them a chance. We encourage them. We tell them that they are just as good as any. Now, do you have a a psychologist or a motivational type person working with your team? I, I do that job myself. Uh, okay. Basically, that's why we have a very, very young... I'm a sports psychologist myself. Uh, I was one of the first ones who did uh, football psychology uh, in the early, very early 80s. Yes. Uh, that was just when we were starting really, psychology in sports, yeah. um, especially in England. Uh, and that's what, what we're trying to do, really, is give them that experience that is lacking, obviously, because they are 18, 19-year-old players. Yes. Uh, so we're trying to give them this this old uh, old head on, on young shoulders yes. through psychology. Yes. Okay. Now, let's say we have a case right here on the radio. My name is Thornholder. I'm an ex-goalkeeper. I left the game in, in my prime at the age of 26. Um, and I have struggled with some form of depression. Um, I've struggled with some form of, you know, questioning myself, wondering if I'm still the good player. Um, how How is it? Let's say, what's the first thing you do for that player when he comes into the club? What What is the first thing you do? Yeah, well, well the first thing that we do is to find out his background, uh-huh. what has affected him, and tell him that, that really football is only a game of opinion. Uh, and even one one owns opinion mm-hmm. can change the space of, of a week. A player may not be playing at all, yeah. he suddenly gets in because maybe a teammate is injured or whatever, and then suddenly he, he's, he's never out again. So so one person's opinion may be that he's not good enough, but he has to be open, he has to keep working hard, knowing that, that, that the very next person would think that he's, he's, he's the best in the world. So, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to this. That's the why you have you always have people always arguing that this player should be in, this player should be out. Football is a game of opinions. Yes, yeah, it is. So you're listening to the Thornholder Report. The number to call is 888-728-9941. Now, John, um, do you also help these players prepare for post-career uh, life? in terms of qualifying themselves for, let's say you say some of these players quit college, some of these players gave up on their studies. Um, What sort of things are you putting in place uh, to help these players succeed off the field? Unfortunately, the only thing that we can offer them, really, because we are new, we are small, we need sponsors to be able to do more. All of these players, for example, have a coaching badge in England. So they yes. have been helped out by their professional clubs in England before they come to us. So they are they are sort of qualified. What we give them is is, is language yes. uh, because they are in Spain, uh, playing in Gibraltar, but living in Spain, which is only a walking distance away, and uh, and and they get language and culture to sort of uh, extend their their horizon uh, in, in in the world. You know, being in a different country, a different culture, new language. And the only thing that we help them with really is language classes. So Spanish okay. classes is what they have. 
Now, as a as a Spanish team, we had a conversation earlier today with one of our coaches, Coach Reed. Uh, we spoke about uh, culture in the game of soccer. Now, Spain has a very rich football culture. Um, how, let's say, is that a part of your system? You say you teach them language, and a bit of that is culture. How do you get players to play a more Spanish style? Or, yeah, how do you, yeah. Yes. Well, you see, English players, unfortunately, and, 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 and I'm one of uh, an ex-English player as well, when we get the ball, we want to start running immediately. Yes. The only way to beat an opponent is outbeat him in speed and strength. Yes. And Spanish football, like Iniesta, for example, is I always tell players that football, you've got to be fast, very fast, but you don't have to be in a hurry. Yeah. So you've got to stop, pause, take your time, wait, and then at the right moment, you show your speed and your strength. But, but not the moment you get the ball. So basically, it's taking it easy. It's just passing the ball around. And once you beat an opponent, mm-hmm. you don't have to go on to beat the next one. The only reason for beating an opponent really is to pass the ball. Uh, and, and so because obviously, if, you, if, you're, if you're getting into a tussle with an opponent, you beat him. And, and of course, your, your physical abilities have now diminished. And you're going to take on another player who has rested, sort of. Yes. And expect to beat him and the third one, you're going to lose the ball. So once you beat an opponent, if you can even pass the ball to, to a teammate, even before beating an opponent. But if you beat an opponent, your objective should be only and exclusively to pass the ball after that. So, There's no other reason than, than, uh, than, than passing the ball. Now, John, thank you so much. It's been a fantastic interview. We definitely look forward to continuing this conversation. This segment is brought to you by Get the Funk Off and Aim a Man Incorporated. This is the Thornholder Report. John and Eric, thank you so much for joining me, and we look forward to speaking with you guys in the future. Take care, gentlemen. Have a Thanks good Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Thank you, fellas. So that was good, Thornholder yes, Report. Very, very nice. Very nice. And you bring your own sponsors. That's good stuff, man. Yeah, okay. we had some interesting questions. Good stuff, yeah. So we will we'll certainly talk to those fellows again, I'm sure. So, Eric, before we go, I want to thank Eric Crack, our big soccer head. What is the, How did that come about, the big soccer head? I got a big forehead. Yes. <laughs> forehead right here. Look at that. And then it just caught on. What am I going to say? Okay. That's, so that was, was way too obvious. Everything's so obvious <laughs> today. I'm ready for these like crazy answers or so like in front of my face, literally. So anyway, tell us about your podcast and where the folks can hear you well, or find you. It's the Big the Soccer Head uh, Podcast. You can listen to it every Monday. Download it on iTunes. All righty, fantastic, great show. This is Boo Boo Soccer. Thank you so so much for joining us. We're here, we're here with Eric, Eric, and Thorn. Have a pleasant evening. Great job. Great All job. Right. Are you a soccer fan wondering where you can catch the soccer match with a great pub atmosphere? The Iron Abbey in Horsham is the place featuring EPL, La Liga, and Champions League. Also a proud pub partner with the Philadelphia Union with early openings Saturday and Sunday for the games with a great breakfast menu and food menu to complement the atmosphere. The Iron Abbey voted Best Bar of the Year 2015 offers 40 beers on draft and over 800 bottles to choose from. Visit their award-winning bottle shop, The Loft, for great takeout and mix-and-match six-packs to go. If you're a soccer fan, you have to check out Iron Abbey, the official soccer pub in the Burbs. Go to ironabbey.com for schedules and like them on Facebook to stay up to date. Please check out the Iron Abbey presents Vuvuzela World Soccer Show every Sunday from 3 to 5 on 610 Sports.